Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Make Your Own Damn Podcast, a podcast where we look at the uh, wacky and wild films of trauma entertainment. I am uh, your your host, Lucas Mangum, and we have uh, with me, as always, is the other host, Mr. Jeff Burke. How are you today? I am doing great, and I'm really excited for today's episode because, like, I had never seen this movie before. Have you seen this before? I hadn't um, seen it before, even though I do have a deep affinity for um, Italian Escape from New York ripoffs. So, um... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll be getting into that. But yeah, no, this I, I'm I'm psyched for this because this is like the thing that makes this podcast really fun for like us as hosts. Mm-hmm. Uh, being able to get into this weird kind of forgotten gem relic of genre fair that yes I, I bet if we weren't doing this podcast i may never have actually seen this movie it you know in my entire life like i may have died without seeing this movie and that would have been a shame if it wasn't for the show and i am really thrilled that i got to watch this movie so yeah. this is really cool and today's movie is so what's the name of this movie lucas well um it depends on what country you're in um <laughs> Um, it's, uh, so on a trauma now, it is still under the title new gladiators. Um, but, uh, the Severin DVD or Blu-ray, not DVD. They don't make those anymore. Do they? Um, the Severin Blu-ray is, uh, is, uh, and, uh, and I guess this is the original Italian title is, uh, warriors of 2072, which I have to admit is a much, more, much better title. And, there's also the UK title, which is Rome 2033, The Fighter Centaurians. What? That's crazy. That's not even the year this movie takes place. <laughs> <laughs> so um, there's three titles, and then there's also a, um, a first Italian VHS has it as a different title, which I am not even going to try to pronounce because I can't speak Italian at all. Um, that's... Uh, it's the the warriors of the year 2079 is the rough english translation huh. and then so we have got... multiple different years yeah yep and uh i think there was a there was also a vhs release that was uh rome 2072 ad the new gladiators <laughs> so wow so, i love it I don't think anyone knows what the title of this movie actually is. And you're naming this episode, so good luck on figuring out what fucking title you want to go with there. Yeah, wow. Um, I could just call it the the, Lucy, the Lucio Fulci special. <laughs> oh, wait, that might... Well, see how this episode goes, and that might actually be what it is. Yeah, yeah, we'll see. Um, so you also you also gave away the big, the big plot point there that this is a trauma film uh, well this is a film that trauma distributed by mm. lucio fulci the godfather of gore himself yes yes um and you know that's what's great about doing a trauma retrospective right is we we um we we've established many times before that trauma uh you know kind of um has its tendrils all over uh, uh, cinema history, you know, and so even a cult director like Lucio Fulci, uh, his work has crossed paths with trauma, albeit 
um, as we'll get into, um, it was just it was distributed by Troma five years after um, after the director's death. Yes, yes, yeah. But um, but still, so it counts. It counts it for the purpose of the of the show. Of it Troma does count, did, but I. Get their slimy fingers on it. <laughs> yep. Uh, yes. Uh, and when I, I say it, slimy, I mean bright green glue slime, not like some sort of slight against trauma. I mean yes, the yes. the bright green glue slimy fingers on it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. I just. I mean, I know it counts. I just want. I don't want to give uh, listeners the impression that uh, that Fulci and uh, Lloyd Kaufman were like hanging out at any point. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, which would have been awesome, but, you know. Uh, that would probably be an intrigue. I understand Fulci was a very grumpy man. He was frequently described as hedgehog-like, which yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm not entirely sure what to take of that, but I, I I think it means he was a small, stout, grumpy man. And <laughs> and Lake Hoffman is also, is also a small man as well. I mean, I am, I am a small man as well, so, you know, small, small men unite here. But, like... <laughs> Uh, Lake Hoffman's very, very happy, exuberant man, even off stage. And so, uh, I would like to see grumpy Fulci and joyous Lake Hoffman interacting with each other. It, it probably, it was probably so cute. Yeah. So cute. Well, they would have some things in common because, uh, according to Fulci's uh, biography here on a wiki, um, he is uh, extremely into left-wing politics. Oh, you know what? I've never actually known anything about uh, Fulci's politics, actually until this episode, that uh, one of the actors who was on set for making this movie, Fulci said that this was his statement against what he was seeing as new fascism. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was going to ask you, and I guess we'll get it out of the way, like if you thought like that this movie um... – that some of his, I, I believe he identified as a communist in in life. Um, like, Did he really? Yeah, like he was. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm sorry to all of our right wing listeners. Fulci was Antifa. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, you know, and so I was wondering if you thought like, you know, any of um, those, you know, views kind of came through in this film i i thought you know maybe oh, you know and and then like yeah like i guess that tidbit that you just let out about you know what he said to the actor kind of just yeah definitely just this, right um, away now, now uh I, I feel like we should kind of like start off here before we get into this specifically like our histories with fulci because this is probably the first non-horror fulci movie that i have i have seen oh okay um so i've seen um uh, a couple others that were non-horror. Like I've seen, I've seen four of the apocalypse, which is one of his westerns. That's, that was his western. One, oh, one of his westerns. Okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, so Fulci and a lot of honestly, a lot of the Italian guys did like it, like a crazy amount of movies. Like I mean, those like horror movies in the eighties of his that we. Um, uh, that we hold so dear are actually like a really small um, <laughs> subsection of his yeah. filmography. <laughs> I believe it's, it's something just like like a five or maybe seven year window in his filmography. Um, yeah. No, I just realized some. I just realized something here. Um, you know, I I believe that if anyone's going to be clicking on and listening to a trauma podcast, if you listen to the um, deep end of weirdo 
trash, I say that only in the best way, meaning the best thing possible, of yeah. filmmaking, you probably know who Lucio Fulci is. But just in case, we should just probably quickly address that he is an um, Italian uh, filmmaker, that um, um, he was primarily active in the late 70s uh, into the, um, I guess, 90s? I'm looking up. Yeah. He, yeah. he was primarily, oh, I'm sorry. I'm actually looking at his movies. He was mostly active in the fucking late 50s to the what 90s. Is, really? Yeah, Holy I'm looking shit. at his Wikipedia. Like, when he starts getting serious about making movies, it's 1959. Wow. And he's got yep. films all That's through the right. 60s. And, I, oh, my God. He he made, I'm not even... Like, I, 100 I, films. Yes. And uh, those of us that, um, like, that are Fulci fans are really commonly pointing to a segment of his films they made from the very late 70s to the um wow yeah to like the early 80s just a couple year period is yeah. what he's best known for when he did a series of still to this day considered extreme gore surrealist films yes. i would personally argue and 100%. Uh, most notably being um uh, the Beyond, which is my personal favorite, um, City of the Living Dead, um, House by the Cemetery, New York Ripper, the infamous Zombie 2, mm-hmm. um, and then he also dabbled in the, um, I can never pronounce this, the Jalio? Uh, Jalo. 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 Yeah. See, I'm sorry, everyone, I'm just a terrible American. I can barely do anything outside of English. So, Which he also was famous for doing uh, Don't Torture a Duckling, A Lizard in yep. a Woman's Skin. Those titles are fucking phenomenal. Incredible. Incredible. But um, I've only seen his horror stuff. Okay. Um, and now, when you say the horror stuff, are you counting the Jalo stuff as well, or no? I don't think I've seen his Jalo stuff, unless you want to count New York Ripper as one. Okay, so you would love Don't Torture a Duckling. I'm just going to throw that out there. Yeah, um, I, I, have not, I have not seen Don't Torture a Duckling. I know it has something to do with, like, a small town and a child that's murdered and everything spirals out from there. Yeah, yeah. It's like, yeah, and it's, like, set in Italy, so there's lots of, so it's, like, really hilly. And, um, yeah, and there's, like, oh, it's good stuff. It's good but stuff. But, yeah, I've actually, like, in, you know, research and reflection on this episode, like, I've only seen um, a zo- Zombie, a.k.a. Zombie 2, I, uh, City of the Living Dead, Black Cat, The Beyond, House by a Cemetery, New York Ripper, and Manhattan Baby. And I haven't seen any of the others. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, so I've also seen Conquest, which is his uh, sword and sorcery movie. Um, which in research for this, I see a lot of people say is like his best of his non-horror works. It's fun. It's a lot of fun. It's uh, it's because uh, it has the atmosphere of a uh, like like just really dense atmosphere, which is something that I think you know his gore films did really well. Oh yeah. Um, but it's yeah. It's I mean it's it's like a yeah barbarian on a quest with like a giant and you know like it's you know your your basic like dungeons and dragon kind of thing but it's also super violent and <laughs> you know and and you know so are his westerns actually his western you know the four of the apocalypse is really gory 
Yeah, I, um, when I worked at Eraserhead Press, um, one of our authors, Jordan Crawl, wrote a um, wrote a western, and I'm totally spacing on the name of that. I'm sorry, Jordan, I don't remember the name of the western <laughs> book off the top of my head. It's been it's been like ten years ago, but um, uh, Jordan, I actually remember Jordan Crawl citing uh, for the apocalypse as one of the inspirations, along with. Um, Oh, what's the Western with the guy dragging the um, the coffin that he opens it up and it turns out it's, it's like filled with guns or some shit? Oh, I forget what that's called, but I know what you're talking about. So it, um, it was that one and it was for the apocalypse that he cited as like his two big inspirations for doing a weirdo, bizarro. Oh, Fistful of Feet. That was the name of the Jordan Crawl book. Really, really <laughs> good, solid. Um, that's a weirdo good title. Western. Oh, it's, 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 a, it's a good book. It's a good book. Jordan's yeah. a very talented author. Um, but he cited this. So, but yeah, no, but this was really cool to like check out. Uh, I, I think this is Fulci's only like hard sci-fi movie. I think so. Yeah. Um, now I, was I up, they mentioned another movie, but it didn't seem like it was as hard sci-fi as this was. Yeah. Um, yeah, so um, I I could be wrong, um, but isn't um, hard sci-fi like more science-y science fiction? Oh, you know what? You're right. You're right. Yeah, I'm yeah, just yeah. Using terms there. I just sorry. Kind of meant, I... I just no. You're right though. I just meant that this was just like fully a sci-fi movie. Okay. That, okay. Cool. 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 All that, right. Like, I just wanted you, to clarify. If you go into like. When video stores were a thing, I guess I should say, like, if you would look on, you know, Nef- if this would pop up on Netflix or, I mean, this is on Amazon Prime. That was how I watched this movie. I watched it on Amazon Prime. Yeah. Uh, I would expect to see this movie in the sci-fi section. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Um, yeah, I mean, because it's, uh, I mean, and it's just, it's really testament to how, um, uh, you know, uh, uh, versatile of a filmmaker he was because like I mean it's for somebody who's just watched the 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 zombie stuff and uh, you know and the gore stuff like it's almost unrecognizable as a Fulci film I could still tell at points I could yeah. still tell and it wasn't okay. just the pendulum throat cutting scene which we'll get to <laughs> but I could still tell it still had that same he does have a very distinct style that it's a little dreamy. It's yeah. a little, um, it, it, it go, the movies go with the flow without concern for the audience or plot line, which a lot of people think would think that that sounds like a criticism. And then most filmmakers hands that is a criticism. However, Fulci does it very well. And yeah. there's a dreamy aspect to his work which with his That's horror true. films is what a lot of people latch onto with his horror films. And I see a little bit of that dreamy aspect in, in this. Yeah. And, and this came right after his big horror period. I mean, like after yep. his, after his like horror phase, he did conquest and then he did, he did this, this movie by yeah. whatever title you want to call it. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and you know, that, that dreaminess and that kind of uh, disjointedness that you bring up, um, it is why, like, I tell people, and I even remind myself sometimes if I do come across a new Fulci film that are new to me, Fulci film, uh, you know, I, I'm like, 
if you don't like it the first time around, you might want to watch it again because like you might have your like preconceived notions of like yeah. what a plot is supposed to be. <laughs> um, and that might be ruining it. And that's really just not what he does well. And, 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 and that's true. I'd say for like the two big Italian genre directors are in my opinion, Lucio Fulci and Dario Argento. And that's oh. something that I feel that both of them kind of have in common is they don't really adhere to what, especially us like American audiences view as how a story and a movie should present its plot. And, you know, and like I said, the other filmmakers, that can be annoying. Uh, it works for both of them. It's something about the Italian aesthetic. I don't yeah. know what they were doing in Italy in the 70s and 80s other than acid and weed. But yeah. <laughs> like, they were doing something interesting there that comes out in their films. Definitely. Um, yeah. I mean, it, it, it extends to a lot of other Italian filmmakers as well. Like, I would say, like, um, the oh, demons. I was just about to bring up demons. Like, who's the Lam- guy that does Lam- demons? Lamberto Baba, you know. Yes. Thank um, you. Which we, 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 we should add was that was produced by Argento, um, even though yes. Baba directed it. I mean, that one also has a very loose structure. Like, it's literally introduced the characters and then watch them all get killed in a movie theater until, like, a couple of them escape, you know? <laughs> and, and, and you and I, um, not recorded, but just in private, have had many a conversation about how both of us adore the Demons movies. Yeah, uh, adore, adore. Yeah, absolutely. Um yeah, so um, uh, back to this Fulci movie. We don't have a write-up in um, uh, the everything I need to learn about filmmaking and learn from the Toxic Avenger book because, uh, as as we mentioned, uh, Troma picked up the distribution rights for this in 2001, which was a couple years after that two, book. Came two out. years. The book came out in '99, I believe it was. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, because it, it coincided this... with uh, Terra Firmer. Uh, yeah, let me see here real quick. Yeah, I'm sorry, the book came out in 98, 98. So okay. this this was released by Choma three years after the book. But I do have a write-up on Choma's website, if you want me to read that. Yeah, let's do it. All right. The Choma team is proud to present a classic take on the future of entertainment from the master of Italian splatter, Lucio Fulci. Tomorrow's TV is bigger Badder and bloodier than your wildest expectations in the new Gladiators. Black exploitation star Fred Williamson um, from Black Caesar and from Dust Till Dawn, and Jared Martin, which I don't give him any credits, <laughs> star in this violent sci-fi satire, pitting criminals as contestants battling each other for the most precious prize: their lives. Martin plays Blake, a gladiator on TV's hottest program. Thrill Kill, a deadly torment where there's only one victor and many victims. The plot thickens when Blake decides to retire, prompting the show's ratings-hungry producer, Cortez, to frame Blake for a crime he didn't commit. And in the future, the only way to prove your innocence is by proving you can stay alive in the Battle of the Damned. Fulci bars no holds with his signature extreme style, including slow motion throat slashings, close up body crushing, and the most brutal battle sequence this side of Bra- this side of Braveheart. Wow. Oh, weird no oh, weird pull there. Um, that is a weird pull. Preceding the running man by three years and proving once again that he is the godfather of gore, 
director Lucio Fulci. Um, there's a typo. It says director Lucio Fulci, you his epic. I believe it's supposed to say director Lucio Fulci brings you his epic vision ah. of the future entertainment in a futuristic society. The new gladiators. It's brought to you live and to the death. That's 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 a great write up, though. I will say either either the write up or Wikipedia has the protagonist's name wrong. It, uh, on Wikipedia, it says Drake. No, it's Blake in the movie. It's it Blake. Is Blake. Okay. It's all Blake. Right. Wikipedia is wrong. It's Blake. Okay. Well, all right. All right. And, will, and, and if I'll... I'm wrong, this will be a strike against me, but I am like 99.9% in, in the movie. It was Blake. <laughs> Now, one thing that um, I, I will compliment Wikipedia on is that, you know, they criticize themselves for, uh, well, I mean, I know that multiple people contribute to it, uh, but, um, you know, they say uh, this this plot summary may be too long or excessively detailed, but hey, that is exactly what we want for this show, so we can... Uh, oh, yeah, 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 remember, we gotta... We can, you know, remember, you know, we can stay on track and... Uh, <laughs> It's, it's very helpful for our purposes, and I had the Wikipedia. I was also so relieved when I saw that as well. It's like, yes, another one of those, like, some obsessive fan wrote out the plot summary. And I'm yeah. like, thank you, whoever obsessive fan you are, thank you so much. You helped us out for the show. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but, um, real quick about, like, the marketing. Um, Trauma's marketing, also, we commented on it, I believe, last episode. At the end, or I, don't, I think it was in our recording, or maybe it was off recording, that there's also a tagline to this movie of 15 years before <laughs> Gladiator. There was the new Gladiators. And yeah. this right up on the back also name checks fucking Braveheart. Yeah. And like, those are, those are both period movies, and, like, this is a futuristic sci-fi film. Yeah. Like, um, when we were, we were texting... Uh, because we were both watching the movie yesterday, and I was texting with you that I was name dropping um, the Running Man, which is an obvious, uh, yeah, obvious comparison. Even though the Running Man came out three years after this, I also yeah. I also name dropped Videodrome. That there's aspects of this movie that remind me of Videodrome. Um, so I didn't notice that until you said something, but it's the um, I'm assuming you mean because this the two competing organizations. Yes. Yeah. And then also yeah. like the brainwashing aspects that are happening, mm. and then we also get towards the end like the living computer type of thing. Like right, right. it was sending off video drone like things, and there's also of course comparisons to Mad Max and Escape from New York, which mm -hmm. is the actual inspirations for this movie. Is yeah. Um, Mad Max uh, and the Road it, Warrior it, and it, Escape it was... from New York. Yeah, I mean, it was, uh, there was literally this trend in Italian cinema around this time uh, of just making Mad Max and Escape from New York knockoffs. Um, some really notable ones are, uh, I'm sure the most popular one is probably 1990, The Bronx Warriors. Oh, I, I'm, I'm, it's one of those movies, I know the name, I've never seen it. Yeah, um, so that's, that's one, um. Uh, there's there's new barbarians, not to be confused with this film, um, and uh, and there's 2019 after the fall of New York. There's a ton of others. I'm not gonna list them all, um, but like wow, yeah, I've seen, I've seen none of these. Oh, so um, here's a fun fact: a lot of them also star uh, Mr. Fred Williamson. So when I saw his name in the credits really? for this film, I was like, of course he's in this movie. <laughs> 
Okay, real quick, dumb question. Who is he in um, From Dust Till Dawn? Because I fucking love From Dust Till Dawn. Yeah, he's the um, guy who has the Vietnam flashback, and um, he's telling the story while Tom Savini's changing in the background. Oh! That's yeah. it. Oh, holy shit! Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. cool. That's really fucking cool. I, I'm really bad at recognizing actors across different movies. Like, yeah. unless it's Nicolas Cage or Bruce Campbell, uh, <laughs> I'm probably not going to rec- – or, or Eva Green. I'm in love with Eva Green. I'm probably not going to recognize you in different movies. You know, so, um, if an, uh, here's a question. If an actor is not Bruce Campbell or Nicolas Cage, do they matter? <laughs> I don't think so. I don't think they're an actor. I don't think they're an actor then. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if we're ever gonna get a, a Nicholas. I don't think we're ever gonna get a Nicholas Cage or Bruce Campbell crossover with this show. Sadly. Oh, that is sad. Yeah. Uh-huh. Oh well. Yeah. But uh, but but Fred Williamson is actually like the bringing him back up. He's great in this movie. I liked him. Oh. I, I liked him better than the main actor. Yes. Yes, I agree. Um, Jer- Jared Martin. Yeah. He um he's actually he he's also uh Fred Williamson, not uh Jared. Oh um, shit. You're, no, you're right. It is Choma has the typo. His character's name is Drake because okay. I actually had as part of my research a interview with uh, Jared Martin about this movie. Oh, and, wow. Cool. And they refer to him as Drake in the interview, and he never corrects him. They refer to him as Drake a couple times. So okay. Choma, Choma actually has multiple typos in there <laughs> on their write-up for this movie on their website, which, hey, it's Choma. <laughs> yeah, it's okay. Um, yeah. Um, uh, weird sidebar. Uh, you know, we do love we do love Shutter. Uh, you and I, and I think um, Fred Williamson has a movie on Shutter right now. Um, it's an it's an older movie, but it's called uh, Vigilante, and it's like oh. you know. I mean, I'll give you a few guesses what the movie's about. <laughs> but, I guess it's one of those nineteen seventies vigilante yeah. movies. Yeah, 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 yeah. All right, yeah. 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 So, but yeah. Uh, but yeah. Uh, but Fred Williamson is obviously the standout actor in my in my opinion from this movie. He's just a frighteningly intimidating gentleman. It, like yes. just like looks like he would just he's ready to throw down at any given moment. You know. And apparently he's a super kind, super nice guy from what I've seen of people talking about him and yeah. researching for this. Apparently he's a super nice, really kind dude. I believe it. I believe it. I, I believe it as well. Cool. So, um, yeah, you want to dig into this movie? Let's fucking do it, dude. All right, cool. Um, so, in the year 2072, set in a dystopia Rome, Italy, WBS-TV's chief of programming, known only as uh, Cortez, uh, he's um, he's angry about the... Consi- uh, of the consistently high ratings enjoyed by um, a rival TV show called Kill Bike. Um, now, <laughs> I love the name Kill Bike. <laughs> like, yeah, no, that's that is just <laughs> so good. And, and, um, and, and, this, and this, this station in particular features gladiator battles of people on motorcycles. Yeah, which yeah. even though that's what this movie's supposed to revolve around. We only have scenes of these gladiator motorcycle battles in the beginning and end of the movie. Yeah. And the entire rest of the movie is actually, I'd argue, a like sci-fi prison movie. Yes, 
Yes, absolutely. Like, um, it's not a gladiatorial action movie. It's a weird dystopian prison film. So, <laughs> so um, we, you know, uh, Wikipedia mentions what Kill Bike is. It does not mention what Cortez's show is. Uh, you know, um, and I'm not, a, and I, and I think it's because it's really hard to determine what that show actually is. Is it? Are they filming these people's death hallucinations? Oh, oh shit! No, I got, I got it, totally. And this is like one of the things that kind of reminded me a little bit of Videodrome because we also have yeah. like the rival TV companies and doing things based around like people's trauma and that. So yeah. what it is is they have this technology where they essentially hook up a person, a person to this machine, and the person then perceives. Um, essentially what they program into it as reality and apparently mm. it's indistinguishable from actual real life so they don't know that they're it, it I, i'd honestly argue it's closer to like virtual reality is what they're doing than yeah hallucinations but it's virtual reality ex- indistinguishable to the person from real life and so they put them in scenarios where they're going to die and then quote unquote die to see how far the person can take it and without I believe they freaking out without freaking out and essentially like um their brain essentially panicking too much that it kicks them out of the program and i believe yeah. they mentioned that like it was something like only one person has actually gotten the because the prize is some sort of vacation and i think they mentioned it was yeah. like only one person has ever actually gotten the vacation and their brain didn't kick them out of the program and like i thought that was a really cool uh it's like really cool, and and it's just like a five minute long sequence explaining what this show is. Yeah. I'm like, oh, that could be a whole movie by itself, right? There. Definitely, and it does have one of the most like fulshy moments in it is the aforementioned pendulum. Uh, we we get this show demonstrated to us by it's a woman who's hooked up to the computer to this machine, and then we're seeing through the TV broadcast what she's experiencing, which is her tied down to a table with a uh, a bladed pendulum, a la Edgar Allan Poe's pit in the pendulum, mm-hmm. going back and forth, and then it slices into her neck, and it's probably the most extreme gore that we see in the movie, I believe. Yeah. I don't think there's any gore that uh, approaches the the bladed pendulum going into the into the woman's neck and that's a very fulci sequence a very fulci moment because like fulci is really big on um directly showing you the impact of mm-hmm. a violent act which is not something like it's a lot less common than a lot of people really want to give credit for in films that very like it's a lot of movies do thematic tricks because it's a difficult special effect to actually show things like the blade going in and to yeah. show things like actual moment of physical damage. And Fulci, in at least his horror films, reveled in those moments of mm. really doing the close-up camera on the actual moment of physical damage happening to a human being. And this does it as well, that we see the pendulum blade go into her neck and we see like the flesh that's torn out and how her throat and you know windpipe has been cut open and and that's what causes her to her brain to kick her out of the program and she she fails in the reality show 
Yeah. Um, so I uh, I got ahead of myself like the uh, the Wikipedia article does mention this show. Um, and uh, but, um, you know, as cool as that show sounds, uh, it cannot compete against uh, Kill Bike, um, apparently. Um, I, I actually think that show sounds way more. I, uh, I'm kind of inherently against um, exploitative reality TV, so I'm against all these shows. Yeah. But, but in the hypothetical, which of these two do I think sounds better? I, I think the Danger Game, which is uh, the hallucination show, sounds way cooler than watching guys on motorcycles drive around and run into each other. Yeah. Um, so the uh, the champion of uh, of Kill Bike is a gentleman named Drake, and um, yeah, uh, and uh, I guess you know. Um, uh, Cortez uh, is is particularly mad about um, about you know getting pummeled in the ratings because uh, he discovered uh, Drake in the first place. Um, so, um, so so what they decide to do here is they're going to create a competing show, a com- competing gladiatorial combat show, uh, which. Really though, they're just ripping off the the exact idea. Because it's, in the end of the movie, when we see the gladiator show, it's the exact footage. it's the exact same thing. Yeah. Like this is just one TV station directly ripping off another station's popular show. Yeah. Um, and so they what they're going to do though is they're going to they're going to have their combatants fight to the death, and how they're going to uh, get the people is they're all uh, convicted felons. And mm-hmm. this is one thing that I was actually curious about, and unless I missed it, they um, never go into really what these people did. That we yeah. know they're either on death row or they have life in prison because they're willing to compete on this show, and they know they may die. But if they manage to survive, their sentences will be um, excommunicated. But um, so that implies that they either have to be on death row or they have to be in prison for life. Now, the sympath- this, is, this is one thing I was thinking about while watching the movie, is like, they don't tell us these people did they go into prison, because it might make some of these characters a lot less sympathetic. Yeah. If we actually know what they did to get them life in prison or on death row. And so the movie yeah. kind of skirts that. Uh, yeah. making choice there, but I, I did pop in my brain. And so... <laughs> And so then to get Drake on the show, the problem is Drake is a TV star. So how we get him on the show? Oh, we murder his wife. And frame and then him for we, it. And then we frame him. Oh, we don't, oh no. Not, not, frame, not frame for the murder of his wife. He's framed for murdering the three men who killed his wife. Yeah. Which is convoluted to say the least. It makes way more sense to frame him for killing his wife. Yeah, uh, that whole scene is weird too. Like the that um, great. It is great. It is great. The death of wife scene is fantastic. This see, this is one of the moments I felt like it felt like a Fulci film because it felt like yeah. a fucking nightmare. Yeah, because they're like the the three dudes are like whistling a song. Yeah, in sync, like you know, as they're like getting closer to her. It's yeah, it, yeah, it does we, have a very nightmarish kind of feel. We get this scene of, like, this really nice, what looks to be, like, L.A. home, um, or it's just, like, this really nice home, 
Um, and this woman who's Drake's wife, uh, I guess, I, I forget what she, exactly she's doing, but she's by herself, and three home invaders essentially approach her, and they're all dressed the same, and they're all whistling this song, and they're all yeah. kind of, like, moving quickly in and out of her viewpoints while getting closer and closer, and it's a very weird, weird mm-hmm. scene. Yeah. And, um, but she ends up dead, and the three home invaders end up dead, and Drake is framed for the murder of the three home invaders. However, I'm like, also, like, it makes more sense to frame him for killing his wife, because I'm like, somebody kills your wife, and you kill the three people that killed your wife because they broke into your home. I think in a lot of states in America, you get off with no jail time for that. Ah, yes, but this is a dystopian, uh, dystopian Rome. I guess so. I guess so. You're right. You're right. We're supposed to be in Rome, so this is not Texas, where you yeah. are. <laughs> I think in Texas, you get a medal for this. That's probably true. <laughs> <laughs> even in Austin. <laughs> yes, even in Austin. Um, yeah. Oh, jeez. So, so Drake is now brought into the program. Yeah. And yeah. he gets this... Um, this bracelet uh, seared onto his wrist, which this was also another little thing I just got to poke a little fun at the movie, is that we later find out at the end of the movie that these bracelets can, all the contenders get these bracelets that they can't remove and that they can kill them. And it's like, well, yeah, duh. Like, why else are they in the future? It's like dystopian movie or people getting like mechanical bracelets adhered to them <laughs> that they can't take off. Of course it has like crazy powers that's going to kill them. Yeah, definitely. Um, so yeah, he's, uh, while he, while he's brought there, he meets the, um, I guess the, the chief guard, um, named Raven and he meets the, uh, the other. Let's talk about Raven real quick, really cool. Yeah. Which was, uh, which was an old friend of Drake's. And this also, I thought was a Fulci moment because of the eyes. Fulci has a thing about eyes in this movie that there's always weird shit involving people's eyes. And okay, wait, isn't um no you're uh, wait, you're thinking characters? of uh you're thinking of monk yeah 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 oh shit you're right I yeah. see I'm thinking of monk okay okay well he meets monk before he meets all the other characters if I recall correctly yeah I maybe. know the Wikipedia has it in reverse but I'm pretty sure he met monk first okay yeah yeah but um no he definitely meets monk first because it's monk who leads him to oh uh, right. To everybody else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and so it's an old friend of his that I guess he was, like, in a accident, and he got, like, full body burns. <clears throat> so the character has, like, this great burn makeup on, and he has uh, fiber optic eyes, which are just, like, actually is a really cool-looking makeup. Of, mm-hmm. Rather than trying to create, like, some, like, sci-fi eye-looking thing, it's like where his eye sockets, like where his, where his eyes used to be in his eye sockets. There's just now this like weird, um, like, like fabric there. Yeah. Instead. Yeah. And I, I thought that was just really visually interesting. And as he says, like, I can see now, I can see better than with these than the real things, which I thought was also a neat little like touch. Yeah. It's like, I lost my eyes, but I can actually see better now. Yeah. Um, and then he meets the other. Then he meets the other uh, people. He meets the head guard, Raven. Yep. And um, 
Yeah. Uh, so Wikipedia does seem to, uh, you know, uh, have some ideas about who the uh, uh, about the the crimes of these uh, other contestants. Um, I don't remember this being brought up in the movie at all. I, I don't either. I almost I, feel like I shouldn't even say because I don't want to confuse anybody if it's wrong. I, I think we should go through what Wikipedia says that they did just because it's interesting because this is my first time seeing this and I do not remember this being stated in the movie at all. If yeah. it was, I don't know how I missed it, but I did. You missed it as well. Yeah. Uh, but we get introduced to Abdul, which is the Fred Williamson character mm-hmm. who's apparently an African American Muslim extremist. Yeah. Which I guess this movie is a bit ahead of its time. Yeah, a little and, bit. <laughs> and having that be a, um, a, a main like criminal character. Akira, who is apparently a Japanese serial killer. Uh-huh. I actually thought he was like a Yakuza or something. Yeah. Um, Kirk, who's a German robber killer. All right. Yeah. And robber Tenga. slash killer, not a yeah. uh, not a killer of robbers. Oh, he's not a killer of robbers. He's a robber <laughs> and he's a killer. And, and Tango, who's a Latin American terrorist. Yeah. Okay. Um, All right. I didn't get any of that from the movie, to be honest. I, If it was in the movie, I fucking missed it. Although what's interesting is those character types would have been, um, a lot of them would have been like the uh, types of villains you'd see in action movies, you know, around the, this time. Or oh, maybe very, maybe a little uh, later. Yeah. No, no, you'd, so you'd be seeing it around this time, like... When he says, like, Latin American terrorists, what I'm, like, betting that that was, like, playing off of is, this is before both of our times, but there used to be a point of, like, in, especially in the U.S., um, like, plane hijackings were, like, mm. a commonplace, well, I shouldn't say commonplace, but it was a thing that happened, and yeah. unlike 9-11, where they turned planes into missiles to murder thousands of people, what these Latin American terrorists would do was essentially hijack a plane, divert it to a um, Latin American country, and this would be their way to get out of whatever country they were in, and essentially they wouldn't harm anybody and let everyone go, and you got a... Um, you got an unexpected uh, layover in Cuba or some shit like that. <laughs> so, like, like that was a thing in the Weird. 70s and 80s. Oh, yeah, it was totally a thing. That's why, actually, wow, I'm going to go down a bizarre tangent here. But that's actually why the um, uh, the people on the flights on 9-11 didn't really fight back at all. It was because the oh, idea shit. of hijacking a plane to murder people was essentially an unheard of idea. The reason people hijacked planes before then was because they needed the plane to physically get somewhere. Oh, man. And so the idea was always that if you just sat back and just went along, like, oh, well, I'm going to end up spending two days in Cuba. Like, well, this is an odd thing, but it's going to happen to me. And this happened to lots of flights. And the 9-11 hijackers took advantage of that viewpoint of Americans. Now, of course, ever since 9-11, plane jackings are viewed very, very, very differently. And yeah. I went down an odd fucking tangent there for this movie. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, um, I don't even know. I got nothing. This is Jeff Burke's history lesson of today. Yeah. <laughs> so you learn something, audience, you learn something from me from every episode you listen to. And it's certainly about something really fucking dark. <laughs> yeah. Um, speaking of dark, we get uh, Drake is strapped into a hate simulator device. Oh, this scene was great. 
Yeah, it's designed to measure the point when a man can be provoked into murder. Um, but because he's just such a good dude, uh, he does not um, he does not crack. Oh no, no, this is actually like a really cool, clever plot point because this is what shows to some of the people working there that he's not actually the murderer that he's been framed. Ah, uh, yes. Because not remember, not everyone that's working on this project knows that Drake has been framed. Only yeah. the extreme high ups know that he's been framed, and so this is the first key to the lower level people of like he's not a murderer. Like mm-hmm. we know this machine can provoke murder responses from people. He's not a murderer. Yeah, no, that's a good call. Good call. Like I, I thought, plot wise, this was like um, a really interesting scene. Yeah, and also this... it's just filmed really well and really interestingly done. Yeah, specifically one of uh, Cortez's assistants, um, a woman named Sarah, is the yeah. one who is like, okay, something's not right here. Yes. Um, and uh, yeah, so um, soon after that, uh, Drake gets into a kind of um, uh, standoff with Raven. Um, do you want to kind of explain the logistics of that? It's kind of... yeah. Yeah, so what it is, is they have this where all of the contestants are staying to get out of the area. They have these hallways that essentially have, like, death rays in them. Mm-hmm. That if you don't use the, uh, um, like, these special devices that the guards have and you try going down these hallways, you'll just get vaporized. Right. And Drake essentially does, like, a game of chicken with um, the guard, Raven, and that he's like, I know you need me for your TV show. I'm yep. going to go into the hallway, and you can't kill me, because if you kill me, you lose the TV show, and then your boss is going to be fucking mad at you. And seeing that the world that this movie takes place in, probably getting your corporate bosses mad at you is probably a really bad thing, and it's probably a death sentence on its own. Yeah, And yeah. he basically like has a standoff with him, and he forces uh, uh, Raven to back down and to activate the device so he doesn't kill himself so he can still do the TV show. And it's not really a – he's not really trying to get out. It's just more of a, like, dick measuring contest, to be honest. Yeah. It's more Drake being like, I actually have the power here because you all need me for this TV show. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and so – um, after that, uh, Sarah, you know, uh, meets up with Drake and shows him evidence that she discovered that proves his innocence. Um, but there was a fourth person there that there was yes. a fourth. So there was the, the three guys who murdered his wife. And then there was a fourth one who murdered those three guys. Like I said, though, convoluted plan. And I also questioned Sarah that. Why did he actually have to watch the footage of his wife dying again? Didn't she just have to show him the footage proving that there was a fourth person there who killed the other three? But she's like, but she's like, no, no, you have to watch this. You have to watch this. You you have to relive your trauma. Your wife die again. Jeez. And keep in mind, they've already done this to him already with the hate simulator. Oh yeah, that's right. So this is the second time. That they're forcing him to relive the experience of his wife being murdered and him being framed for it. Oh, this poor guy, man. He this is just poor guy. Uh, speaking of uh, of uh, you know people who can't catch a break, uh, I feel like that guy, the character Kirk, gets beat up a lot. Um, 
Oh, and, yes, he does. He, they beat the shit out of him just again and again and again yeah. in this movie. Yeah. Um, particularly after the, um, there's an, uh, there's an escape attempt, uh, after, um, uh, after, uh, Monk kind of helps, helps with a strangely powerful microprocessor is how it's described on, uh, Wikipedia. Yeah, I forget how that all went down. It was supposed to take down the cameras, I think, um, or of some sort, but, uh, yeah, it it didn't work, and so then we get the torture uh, scene in, in which there there's this they basically have to hold on to pull up bars like over an electrified floor, and of course, because Kirk got his ass kicked like just one scene ago, like he can't hold on the full twelve minutes, and he falls on the electrified floor, <laughs> which I have to say like that was like an oddly specific small time frame. Yeah. Like, like when they actually reveal that, like, so, like, the scene cuts and we see them all hanging from the pull-up bars, and we don't mean that they have to have, like, their chin up or that. I mean, they just have to physically hang. They just have to hold yeah. on. And these are, like, like fucking bodybuilder. Yeah, guys. yeah. It's not, yeah, yeah. These, these aren't, like, people like you and me. Yeah, these are no. people. These are people who fucking work out and have, like, serious muscle mass. <laughs> and then they're told, you have to hang for 12 minutes yeah and i'm like um that i don't think that's gonna be a problem for these guys <laughs> no and and it, it's only really a problem for one of them <laughs> because he's been beat up hell because and then he's they, been beaten up like and then they hoist him up and he hangs from uh yeah he hangs he hangs from them they hold him up they hold him up to spare him the torture yeah. So like, not only can they hold themselves up, they can also hold up another full-grown adult <laughs> male bodybuilder. Yeah. Yeah. Which um. I thought that know. was an I thought that was an odd torture sequence. It it was it was. Um. Oh gosh, excuse me. Um. So where are we at here? So that experience, which uh, yeah, <laughs> is no, described. No as heroin by Wikipedia. I, I um, would not describe it as heroin. I'd also describe it as the mildest torture sequence I've ever seen in a Lucio Fulci film. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Nobody had an eye gouged out, like... Uh, no acid. Yeah, that's like... Oh, we did get acid, though, in the uh, previous scene. We almost forgot about that. That the um, the mysterious fourth person who was there pours oh, like yeah. acid on oh, the God. on the yeah. faces of the people that killed Drake's wife to like hide their identity. That's right. That's right. And then we get a very Fulci esque face melting sequence. Uh-huh. uh-huh. Yeah. Um so um to kind of help out, Sarah uh goes to visit um a a guy by the name of Professor Talman, who is the inventor of the AI that kind of controls the station and the training facility. Um, and um, uh, he's, you know, he's uh, given up technology and has decided to become a mystic. Um, and this also was giving me a bit of Videodrome vibes. Now, yeah. I know, um, uh, Very, it, um, uh, Professor Oblivion? Oblivion, that's right, yeah. Now, now, he does the exact reverse in Videodrome, but it still gave me that vibe thing of going to the intellectual inventor the, person. The spiritual and, and the technological. <laughs> yeah, yeah. See, yeah. 
it's giving me a little. Like, I, I wouldn't recommend this. I would not compare this movie to Videodrome. There was just, like, some surface-level plot things that kept making Videodrome pop in my head. And mm-hmm. Videodrome is one of my all-time very oh, favorite same. movies. Same. And that was, uh, what, so, the year – that was the year before this, right? That was, was the year 83. before this, yeah. 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 Which means that this was probably being made when Videodrome came out. So there was probably no influence. It was probably just all coincidence that yeah. they have some plot points in common. But it still, it still was evoking Videodrome in my mind at many mm-hmm. points. And, and this was one of them. Yeah. Um, so. Oh, yeah. So the guy's not like a mystic. Yeah. And he, um, after talking about the, the, the machine's soul, he gives uh, Sarah a chip to access the computer. Um, uh, but he gets, uh, you know, he gets, uh, he gets, he gets killed. Yeah. Gets yeah. Um, and so then we kind of get into the last act of this movie, which is we get the second motorcycle gladiator sequence of the movie because we had one yeah. at the beginning of the movie. And if you look into any of the advertising, any of the promotion of this movie, it's all about motorcycle gladiatorial combat. Which is not much of the movie. Yeah, yeah. Which is fine, because it's still a really fun movie. Um, yeah. You know, uh, you know, and, unlike, uh, you know, Surf Nazis, which uh, <laughs> delivered on its promise of, uh, of, uh, of surfing. Um, we definitely got, that movie definitely gave us in, surfing. In droves. Um <laughs> And you know what? I'm you know what? I'm fine that there wasn't more motorcycle riding in this movie. I'm totally fine with that. Yeah, yeah. And so we have like the big gladiatorial battle, which honestly isn't that great. Yeah, it's you know it's fine. It's, it's kind of lame. It's yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I mean, what are you gonna do? You have I mean, obvious, you have obvious dummies getting run over. Um, we get a beheading scene, which is actually a pretty mild beheading by Fulci standards. Yeah, um, like it's it's low budget uh, fight choreography. I mean, you know, yeah. it's yeah, it's yeah. I mean, <laughs> it's um, you know, that, it's fine. <laughs> but but the big thing about this is that Sarah learns that all the bracelets they have on, shocker, the bracelets have evil, evil motivations, that the TV studio actually plans to kill all the gladiators 20 minutes after the show ends. Yeah. So that nobody a, um, is going to get out of this. They will be dematerialized, I believe is the word used. Um, sure. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, and so, uh, where are we at here? Yeah, so she tells Drake, and so they, um, mount that attack on, on the control tower, uh, and they kill all the guards, including Raven, but, uh, almost everyone dies in the assault, it's just, uh, Drake, Sarah, Abdul, and Kirk somehow has made it this fucking far. Yeah. For as beat up as he gets, he makes it further in the movie than, like, than any of the other, than all the other gladiators. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, they, they, they come on Cortez, come up to Cortez, um, and, uh, and, yeah, um, 
who gets shot by Abdul. Abdul shoots Cortez, and uh... mm. but then we get the big reveal, which yeah. is what makes this kind of like a really cool, interesting movie, and also like super ahead of its time. Weirdly, mm. that we find out that this is all being orchestrated by essentially a sentient computer program, or what I would like to rephrase that as an algorithm. That it's a computer algorithm that has set this all up in the first place. And it's a computer algorithm for creating the best television show. Damn. That, like, they talk about the way they voice this in the movie, because this was early 80s, they talk about the computer having a soul. And what they're really talking about is the way for a computer to operate independently of humans and the programmers. And we, in modern day, see this now happening all the fucking time of computer algorithms. Um, I mean, hell, it's a whole fucking big social issue right now of social media algorithms radicalizing people by due to what information they are exposed to or what information they are not exposed to. This movie was directly Uh. dealing with that concept, but they did not know the language or how it would develop in the real world. And they use it as a computer having a soul. And I think it's more interesting to view this movie of they're talking about this as a computer algorithm that is out of control and is running this TV station. Holy shit. Yeah, that was my big insight on this movie. I'm like, holy fuck, they're talking about computer algorithms in the in, in, in the early 80s movie and a computer algorithm going out of control. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, which, you know, this was released the same year as uh, as the first Terminator. So uh, that's another thing. Oh, wow. That's, another, wow. that's a weird sync. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, so, yeah, the... Uh, for surviving rebels, uh, force entry into the main terminal of Sam, which is, um, the, which is the out of control computer. Yeah, yeah, good, good call. Um, but Kirk, he Fucking made it this Kirk. far. Fucking Kirk! But uh, <laughs> tries to remove the bracelet by himself and uh, gets dematerialized. Fucking uh, Kirk! He made it this fucking far, Kirk, and you've been beat up. You've gone all through all this shit, Kirk, and obviously. You you died trying to take off the death bracelet. God yeah. damn it. <laughs> Fucking Kirk. Oh, man. Um, <laughs> yeah, I love it. Um, Monk turns out to be a turncoat. Uh, he was the fourth person. Yeah, yeah. He was the fourth person that was in Drake's home, which actually kind of also makes sense there because it's like, oh, they had one of Drake's old friends kill who would know the layout of the house and that like yeah it actually yeah. all ties together it's not explicitly stated in the film but i'm like oh that actually like all makes sense and fits together rather nicely however i still think they should have just killed his wife and framed him for killing his wife instead of this yeah convoluted plot they came up with yeah and oh and also the thing of like who was filming the murders and stuff like that we learned it was his eyes, his computer, yeah, yeah, his, his fabric, right. his micro fabric eyes is what was filming yep. everything. Um, and yeah, and so uh, after Drake kills Monk, uh, Sarah, um, you yeah is able to access um, the codes that will uh, make uh, uh, Sam the computer self destruct, uh, which deactivates the deadly bracelets 
And um, <laughs> Drake and Sarah fly away in a in a hovercraft. Yep. They they fly off to hovercraft to start a new life. And uh, yeah. And that's uh, the new Guardians, aka Warriors of the Year 2072. <laughs> the new AKA- gladiators. Oh, I'm sorry, that's the new Gladiators, a.k.a. Warriors of the Year 2072, a.k.a. Rome 2033, the Fighter Centurions. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, this is obviously directly inspired by Escape from New York. Oh, 100%. 100%. I think that's the biggest thing that this movie was riffing on. And, like, Fulci and the entire Italian genre film industry, especially in the 70s, 80s, was widely known about taking a sometimes not even a really popular um, mainstream movie, but just taking some sort of mainstream movie and just doing shit tons of low budget riffs on it. A mainstream uh, trend, you know. Yeah, yeah. And And this is like the dystopian sci-fi action mm -hmm. flick. Yeah. Done Um, really cheap in Italy. Yeah, and they had a they definitely had a machine going there, you know. I mean, they were really able to um crank these out quickly. Um I don't know I don't really know how, um but I know um uh you know, uh this particular one um was uh, written by uh Dardano Sacchetti and his wife Elisa uh Briganti. Um and they were a team of writers who uh, did a lot of uh, films that we love, like the Demons yep. movies, and like um, a lot of uh, Fulci's, uh, you know, beloved uh, gore yeah, they, films. They, they wrote the Beyond as well, correct? Uh, I know Dardano did. I I don't know. Uh, okay, well, well, Dardano worked on uh, wrote the Beyond. Yeah, yeah, but I think I believe he wrote most of his scripts with with Elisa. Um, I could. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, like I said, like when we were last week when we were talking about doing this episode at the end of last week's episode, and you were like, "Oh yeah, it's certainly you know, like the guy that wrote it uh, also wrote, like like wrote the Beyond, and he worked on all these other movies." I was like, "Oh holy yeah. shit, I had no idea." Yeah. And uh, that's one thing I will say about this movie. I thought the writing was actually really strong in this movie. It was. It was. It was. I really liked the writing. I really liked the story. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that whole thing at the end of like I like I said I think I recontextualized it for you that this is about a computer algorithm run amok. I was like, whoa! This movie is like, it's one of those kind of rare movies that's like this actually makes more sense now than it probably did when it came out. Yeah, I would say so. I would say so. Um, yeah. So you know. Hats off to Dardana and uh, Elisa, and hats off to Fulci. I mean, they really, uh, yeah, were ahead of their time on this one. I mean, yeah, to to be ahead of its time in like a in a film that's a cycle of you know, you know, uh, essentially knockoff films is really cool to me. I don't know. You don't see that happen that often. No, no. The, the, these these are all people that like. Let's be quite frank about, and this means this is no way negative towards them. These are all hacks. Now, when yeah. they say they're hacks, I view being a hack as a 
is a positive thing. Absolutely. People always like to use hack as an insult, but a hack means you're consistently pumping out work. You, it consistently has an audience that responds to it, and yep. you're just consistently creating, and it's creation to get a product out. And I know there's like, you know, hoity-toity artists out there that don't like the concept of that. And it's like, no, most of the great creators in human history were fucking hacks. They were people yeah. that were just putting out product after product after product to get something out there because they fucking needed to, like, pay their bills and be able to eat food. Oh, and, and the thing and is, so- like, if you're producing that much, like, you're that also means you're practicing that much and like so there is like a degree of perfectionism you know and i think Mm -hmm. i don't know i I think if you take more shots like that you know you are gonna um have a higher likelihood of landing on genius boom and that's the exact that's the exact thing there is like some people like to be fucking precious and only do like a work of art every couple years but then sometimes they dedicate years of their lives towards something that when it comes out it's fail. It's a failure, and it's awful. Yeah, and they yeah. have nothing else to show for it. Fulci would frequently do multiple films a year. Not mm-hmm. all of them good, but then that just meant they had all that more chances to actually make a good movie. Yeah, and I like like this is one of those movies that I feel kind of stumbles into some really interesting ideas, especially in 1984. Yeah. And I know I, I mentioned this a couple of times now, but it's like nobody in fucking 1984 was thinking about like what the problems a computer algorithm could create for for society. And now it's literally a thing that's discussed on mainstream news is yeah. issues of computer algorithms and what it's doing and what they're doing to the American psyche. This right. movie was directly talking about that. And uh-huh, once again. Videodrome was also talking about that. Yeah, no, that's true because, like, you know, um, I mean, you could argue that Terminator was doing something similar, but that was more like, you know, this is, you know, we're going to build robots and then they're going to, like, you know, they're going to, like, destroy us or whatever. But, like, this is more, like, set in, like, the world of, like, what it would mean for um, for us as consumers, like, and yeah. how we'll be manipulated. Exactly. Like, I don't actually argue that Terminator is a lot more simplistic in its views on technology because Terminator just uses the idea of we develop robots to such a degree that they become as smart as us and they rebel and then they kill all the humans, Hmm. blah, blah, blah. This is a much more subversive idea of technology that the technology evolves beyond us. And it has no interest in destroying us. It's just evolved beyond us, and it's just fucking manipulating humanity. And humans right. have no idea that they're even being manipulated because the algorithm is that good. And that's yeah. what we're seeing playing out on Twitter and Facebook and Reddit and every social media site that's out there at this moment. It's it's literally made us all completely crazy. Yes, <laughs> yes it is. It has driven humanity crazy, and especially with all the the lockdowns and shutdowns that we've been experiencing over our pandemic time here. It's just when people just spend all day now in front of a computer, um, it's all that more opportunities for the algorithm to drive us insane. Yeah. And weirdly enough, this movie accidentally was talking about that. Like, there's yeah. no way that that's what they were thinking of. They were not envisioning anything 
like our modern day at all when they were made this movie, but they no. accidentally made something that actually has something to say about our modern society. Yeah. Yeah. Which, yeah, that's crazy. I, so I thought that was so interesting from watching the movie. Once I like, once they had the <clears throat> big reveal of what was actually happening this whole time, I was like, holy mm-hmm. shit, this is actually like super fucking relevant <laughs> to right yeah. now. And I had yeah. no idea that walking into Walking into this. Yeah. Um, and, you know, another thing um, unrelated, but, you know, it is related to the film is uh, the uh, musical score was done by a man oh. named. Uh, yeah. Um, Riz Ortolani. Um, yeah. You he, were excited to talk about the score. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So he. Um, well, for one, I like the score. I thought it was really catchy. And. um also, uh, he scored like something like 200 films, uh, which is Holy shit. Uh, That's insane. Yeah. Um, the ones that would be of most relevance to us uh, and people, weirdos like us, would be uh, Mondo Kane, um, which was that Mondo, oh, yeah. uh, you know, documentary. Mm-hmm. Shockumentary, I guess. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, it was it was meant as a shockumentary. Well, I yeah. mean, that's what Mondo films are. Mondo right. films is a are uh, shockumentaries. Which, to anyone listening to this, is unaware of Mondo films. Uh, it's, mm-hmm. it's a whole really interesting phenomenon of shock documentaries from, I guess, from like the sixties to the eighties. I would guess. Yeah, yeah. The that, Mondo that was films were the peak of all that. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't think we should go too deep into it because I wouldn't be surprised if we actually get to a Mondo film in Troma's library at some point. Yeah, I, yeah, we can hold off on that for now. I bet um, you there's a Mondo film somewhere in Troma's library. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, the other really notable one for, for people like us is he he did the score for uh, Cannibal Holocaust. Oh, shit! Yeah. I love, Campbell, I love the score of Cannibal Holocaust. Yep. Oh yep. fuck yeah! I I I have the nice uh, grindhouse um, uh, grindhouse releasing Blu-ray set of Campbell Holocaust that has uh, the um, has the the score on CD, and oh, I cool. have um, when I like to when I read and I write, I like to listen to movie scores, and uh, the Campbell Holocaust one is one of the ones in my rotation. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, I I actually do the same uh with um yeah because it's, it's hard to listen to uh stuff with words when you're when you're writing yeah um i, I uh, like it, i like it a lot when i'm reading i like to put on even bigger i like it even more when i'm reading because i'm re- i like to read horror novels of course mm-hmm. and reading them with a horror movie soundtrack in the background just like really sets the fucking mood yeah definitely um his music has also been used in uh, the Tarantino films Kill Bill and Django Unchained. Oh my God! Really? Yeah, like he didn't oh, wow. um, score them or anything, but like I think like yeah, like Ta- Tarantino got the like the license to some songs he did. Yeah, yeah. That's oh, and that's totally Tarantino. Oh, of course, of course. Oh, um, I'm always a little bit amazed in my research that. I didn't say anything about Tarantino talking about this movie because this seems like something Tarantino would fucking love. Oh, I'm sure that if yeah, like I'm sure he's a fan of this movie. I, I yo, I <laughs> oh man, I'm like so curious now. But I bet you, um, uh, 
the new Beverly, which for anyone who isn't aware, is Tarantino's movie theater in L.A., which Tarantino himself does most of the um, programming for it. I bet you this screened at the new Beverly at some point. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. Um, but yeah, I mean, that was, yeah, that was like my big thing. Like the, you know, this, uh, you know, the, the composer, uh, for this film did a lot of, a lot of good genre work. Um, and yeah, I mean, I, I enjoyed this film. I would, I would absolutely, um, yeah, I mean. Well, you, you know, what's really, um, interesting then about this, uh, movie Mm. is that Fulci himself was not happy with it. Oh, interesting. Um, <clears throat> so uh, I found a interview with Fulci where it was essentially, it's not a very good interview, to be honest. Like, the interview is an example of somebody who doesn't know how to interview people interviewing uh. somebody. But he goes over all these different um, movies that Fulci did that nobody essentially ever asked him about. And this was one of them that he asked him about and Lucio Fulci said, um, and this is, um, translated from Italian, of course, cause I don't believe Fulci could speak, uh, English no. at all. Um, but translated from Italian, uh, he said, I have to, and this is speaking about this movie quote, I have to say that there's a very good topic by, uh, S A C C H E T T I, um, Sacchetti. Cardano Sacchetti, the the writer. Yeah. Thank you. Sarchetti. Um I have to say that there's a very good topic by Sacchetti, and it's about television following us everywhere. Television torments torments us until we become heroes. This is the reading key of the new gladiators, which is what actually he called it in this interview. Mm. A great idea for anticipating movie, but I'm not very satisfied with it. I wanted to do a future Rome in which the ancient monuments were covered by gigantic plexiglass domes. The producer imposed me to put the skyscrapers. Ridiculous. He's a great producer, but it has his taste. <laughs> yeah. So, so, Fulci did not seem very pleased it, by this movie. Yeah, so um, the way Wikipedia words it, and they, they kind of sum up what you just said is you know he felt the story was strong you know that written by Sacchetti um and 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 uh Briganti um but uh yeah it was the producer's suggestions uh as far as like the look of the film that um he really didn't like and I think that's probably a budgetary constraint issue that yeah like I I, I bet you Fauci wanted a more sci-fi um environment to it and it just mm -hmm. couldn't be done with with the budget they had and yeah that is what really holds this movie back like yeah i thought like i did have a lot of fun viewing this and it sounds like i'm being like really positive about this movie and then we'll get to it to the recommendation point but like the budget really impacted this movie sure. uh, and it's a major strike against it like, this movie definitely should have had way more money uh, to make its ideas fully flesh out on screen. And unfortunately, that really shows in the film. Yeah. There's um, a lot of really great ideas going on. And the execution is done as best as everyone can. But 
it is impacted by the budgetary constraints. Yeah. Um, especially when it tries to be a bigger budget film. Like, you know, we've got all those shots of the city and all that, um, which are clearly miniatures or something. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I thought the miniatures were pretty fun. I, I, I'm a big fan of a nice miniature cityscape. I, yeah. I must say, I must say, it's it, it's just something about old old school films that like, it's charming to me. It's charming. Yeah. No, I was um, when my kid was asking me how uh, <laughs> how how they made those old Godzilla movies. Like I was explaining to him the process of miniatures and people in suits stomping on uh, fuck <laughs> yeah, I love stomping that on miniatures. I love cities. that shit. I love yeah. that shit. Yeah. There's just totally. something special about it. It's this, it's this particular flavor, and like, yeah, it's low budget. Yeah, they wish they could have done better, but it's like, it's also like, ah, it's kind of like why we love it. Yeah, yeah. Because there's a lot, of, there's a lot of heart in that stuff, and you know what? There's a lot of heart in this movie. I agree. Like, I, uh, I, I you, you see a lot of filmmaking love on display in this movie, despite its technical flaws due to budgetary mm. reasons. Yeah, I would I would agree with that statement for sure. And so I feel this is like a good time. Um, do you have anything else about like the cast or crew? I mean, like all these people, pretty much like all the people involved in this movie did shit tons of other stuff. Yeah, um, I do see that uh, this was the last time uh Sacchetti and Fulci worked together, um, unfortunately. They had a falling out after this movie. Yeah. Due to Fulci accusing of I'm sorry, how do you pronounce his name again, the writer? Sacchetti. Sacchetti. Fulci accusing Sacchetti of stealing an idea from him. Which I actually managed to get um uh a cop I managed to find some text online from um uh, a book that overlooked the entire career of uh, Fulci. It doesn't have anything to add to this particular movie that we haven't already discussed about, but mm-hmm. in the book, it kind of outlines that they're, the two of theirs falling out and Fulci accusing him of stealing a story idea was most likely a, a big miscommunication that just got blown up between yeah. the two of them. That yeah. It's it's say he stole an idea isn't really accurate. However, he did take an idea that Fulci came up with, but he thought that Fulci was giving him permission. Blah 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 blah. It doesn't seem like there was any actual malice on other parties involved. But you know, like us artists, we can get we can get hot headed. Like oh yeah, we we, oh, yeah. we can we can get pissed off over dumb things like that and hold grudges for decades. And mm-hmm. it seems like that that's what happened between the two of them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, apparently the film, uh, was, um, yeah, the film was, uh, that, that they fought over was eventually, uh, directed by Lamberto Bava called, yes. um, Until Death. Which I'm totally unfamiliar with that movie. I am too. I mean, I feel like a lot of, uh, I could be wrong, but I feel like a lot of Lamberto Bava's stuff, um, didn't really see stateside's distribution aside from the demons movies and uh, maybe a blade in the dark. 
Yeah, I'm looking up his uh, filmography uh, uh, right now. Um, but yeah, also I see the Until Death, that that, that movie that ended up with their big falling out, ended mm-hmm. up being a fucking made-for-TV movie. Oh, wow. It's an Italian made-for-TV movie. And it's like, oh, man, we have, like, two giants of the genre, and they have a fucking falling out over something that ends up as a it's a made-for-fucking-TV movie. I know, right? And it's like, that's that's annoying right there. Yeah, at least in terms of stateside, looking at his filmography, it's really just um, really just the uh, Demons and Demons 2 is just, like, the only things that really got known. He did also, though, do um, uh, Macabre, which is definitely has its uh, following, but that's like one yeah. of the lesser entries in the uh, Jalo. Did I yeah. say it right? Yep. Did I say it right? Yep. Holy fuck. Holy fuck. I finally did it. Jalo. Um, uh, stage fright is pretty cool. I think that's, no, that's uh, Sawabi. Yeah, that, that wasn't him. I, I, I like yeah, stage that's, fright. Stage fright yeah. is a pretty cool movie. Yeah. Uh, but he didn't, that's not one of uh No, it's not. Roberto's it's uh, my, Michelle Sawabi. Um, uh, director of Cemetery Man. Um, Fuck yeah, gr- another yeah. great movie. In, yeah. in case for anyone listening, you can't tell. Lucas and I have great love for Italian horror. Italian horror is its own fucking special taste flavor. Like, yeah, yeah. It's so great. Thank you. Its own special flavor. It is really interesting and just f- so fucking different than what yeah everyone else in the world was doing. And it's really sad that the Italian horror scene, at least in terms of filmmaking, has, for the most part, like, died out into modern. Yeah, I mean, we just mentioned Cemetery Man, and I'm pretty sure that's one of the last, like... See, this makes me super uh, curious over... I mean, I know Argento continued to make films, but I feel like... Yeah, they got super shitty. <laughs> they got really bad. Let's be honest. Hey, hey, we might be doing one of those for uh, this podcast. Yes, uh, yes, we will. We definitely yeah, will. Yeah. I bought the Blu-ray. I bought the special edition Blu-ray of it. We better be doing it. That's a little hint for astute listeners. What one of our upcoming episodes will be. But no, yeah. I just do a search here right right now for Italian horror, and it's literally all shit from the seventies and eighties. Yeah. Like I I I cannot remember the last time a Italian horror film uh, made an made an impact. Yeah, and that's a shame. God, because it's like looking at like Italian horror films. We got The Beyond, we got Demons, we got Campbell Holocaust, Suspiria, uh, The Church, uh, fucking Flesh for Frankenstein was an Italian oh. film, which I didn't even realize that. Cool. Great movie. Uh, Inferno, um, Beyond the Darkness, um, yep. like, oh, oh my Beyond God. the Darkness is crazy. Yeah. I love that movie. There's so many good movies. Uh, all- Anthropophagus. Yeah, yeah, there's another one. There's <laughs> That's <laughs> that's quite the movie right there. Uh, yeah. As you, you already mentioned Cemetery Man. Oh, man. And there's... And and it, and it, just, and it just stops. It just uh-huh. stops. And it's not like the Italians aren't still making good movies. Like, there's so great movies coming out of Italy... But we're just not seeing the horror output, and they had such a rich history for a couple decade period of time of yeah. doing all of these great, great movies. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, Ratman! You ever see Ratman? No. no. Oh, that's a weird, fucked up movie. Um, cool. It's essentially like a slasher film, except they hired the smallest man in the world 
to play the <laughs> villain, aka the Rat Man. Oh, um, weird. It's a weird exploitation in the purest sense of that term. Exploitation yeah. film. Um, and it's also kind of a good movie. And cool. uh, I, I, I kind of like if you're into like weird, obscure Italian horror flicks, like haha, we are. Uh, highly recommend Rat Man. That's the one I haven't thought about in years. Uh, I had a bootleg of that way back in the day. Oh, oh man, yeah. There's there's so much good shit they put out, and then like pff, it just stopped. And I'm sure there's a reason for it. And I'm sure some people out there can explain it. Unfortunately, I'm not that person, and yeah. I don't know what the reasoning is behind it. Yeah, I have a critic friend who might know. I gotta, I gotta ask him and and find out. I don't know. We'll Maybe see. this is one of those questions where we talk about. We want to do mention this last episode. We want to do an episode to fill in some of the blanks and some yeah. of the things we overlooked and some of the questions we had from these episodes. This might be one of those questions for that, like, yeah. catch up. Like, we'll do some sort of episode where we'll tackle, like, yeah. basically everything Why did the Italians about. stop making why did the awesome Italians, horror movies? Yeah, why did the Italians stop making yeah, awesome horror movies? Because there has <laughs> to be a fucking reason. Yeah. Like, because it's, like, just none. Like, it's not like yeah, it's not like some of them are being made and just not as popular. Like, it's like they're just not there. And I know what happened in Germany. I know what happened in Japan. And we'll probably get to those in future episodes about why their horror um, industries tanked. There's actual legit reasons for those two countries, and I know what they are. But oh. uh-huh, that will, we'll just have to sit on that until later episodes. But... Italy, I don't know what's fucking happened in their film huh. industry that their horror genre tanked. Yeah. And they were getting worldwide... Dis- like, this, these films were getting distributed worldwide. <laughs> they were huge. Yeah, they were. <sighs> um, yeah, so, uh, Jeff, do you recommend uh, this movie that has multiple titles? <laughs> oh, okay, this is where it gets hard, because I've been, like, glowing this whole time. But my honest answer is, for most people, no, I don't recommend this movie. Yeah. I recommend this movie if you're the specific type of person that has an interest in seeing a post-apocalyptic action knockoff film made in the 1980s in Italy by one of the weirdest horror directors of all time. <laughs> if you don't specifically fall into that group, which I am in that group, I yeah. don't recommend this movie to you. I really enjoyed this movie. I got a lot out of this movie, as, as, as I believe comes across here, but I don't really actually recommend it. Yeah, what I can see you, that. Lucas? I would um, I would recommend it to Fulci fans because I know not every Fulci fan has seen this movie because you and I had not seen this movie until this nope. week. Um, you know, I would definitely recommend it to Fulci fans because I know they're usually up for anything he's done if they can, you know, uh, find it. Um, uh, I wouldn't. I definitely wouldn't recommend it to just like, like it, like if. Like, I wouldn't recommend it to people who, like, their science fiction, big, budgety, and, <laughs> yeah. Um, 
Like, if you really fucking dug a rival or, um, oh, fuck, I can't believe I'm spacing on the, the Tomorrow name War or whatever that movie that's on uh prime right now oh no i was, I was gonna say i was i was gonna i haven't seen that i haven't seen that one yet i, I was trying to say either i was trying to say two movies i liked like if you liked arrival or um what was the what was the really good movie based on the jeff vandermeer book i can't believe i'm oh, the um, name of it. annihilation thank you if you really liked arrival or annihilation which are two great modern sci-fi yeah. dark sci-fi flicks um really dug both those i wouldn't recommend this to you <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Well, like uh, if you're a certain type of fan of trash, low budget cinema, there's a lot to really like about this movie. Yeah. But yeah. if you're not that person, you're probably not going to get a lot out of this. I, you know what? I, I here's something. If you like this show, you will probably like this movie. True. True. <laughs> but but in in all fairness, like we got to be a bit like pickier than that because otherwise, yeah. almost every movie we're going to recommend, other than Surf Nazis, must die. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Cause yeah, yeah, um, yeah. No, I mean you've got to. Yeah, I don't know. Like if you're, yeah, if you just like stuff that's, if you don't mind knockoffs, and if you don't, um, and if you don't mind like super low budgets and. And you're a full she fan. I would, I would definitely recommend this movie. Then there's a lot of yeah. And if you fall in that category, there's a lot of really interesting things to take out of this movie. And there's a lot of really interesting yeah. moments. And it's, it's only like the version on Amazon Prime, which is like the main version that's been distributed everywhere. It's only 90 minutes long. Like there's a lot of fucking worse ways to spend 90 minutes than watching <laughs> this movie. Yeah. And like Severin has a really cool like jam-packed Blu-ray coming out that. Unfortunately, I couldn't get in time for this episode, but I saw, like, some screenshots and stuff. Like, the Blu-ray looks fucking gorgeous. Like, holy shit. Yeah. Does it look great? Cool, cool. Did you watch this on uh, Troma Now, or do you watch this I on Amazon? I did, I did. It was the uh, same version as the Prime version, I think. I, 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 I believe it was. Like, yeah. It's, it's like an old rip. Um, the Amazon Prime version I watch opens with the Troma yeah. logo. Yeah. So it's, it's the Troma print. And yeah. it still looks really good, but man, the Severin Blu-ray, like the pictures I saw fucking online for it, holy shit, does it look gorgeous. Cool, like, cool. I was like, oh man, I really wish I, really wish I saw that. And unfortunately, the Trump, no, I'm sorry, the Severin Blu-ray just came out. I mean, like, it yeah. came, as, as we're recording it, it came out like, like two, three weeks ago, and it's not even up on Amazon yet. They're only selling it through their website, and yeah. they're um, they're not even promising orders to be shipped to people's homes until the last week of July, like which is right now as we're recording. That. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's like oh, we we're just like like just a little bit too soon for me to pick up that uh, Blu-ray for the episode. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I wanted yeah. to spend a little time talking about Lucio Fulci because I think that's like one of the super fun things about uh, this show we have going on here is that we can go down some of these different tangents and talk about these other things that we love because they're all tied into trauma, which is amazing. Um, how, how did you first get exposed to Fulci? So in the late 90s um... – did you ever visit a website called houseofhorrors.com? Oh my god, yes! 
I know yeah. exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. Oh my god, that website keyed me off to so many different horror movies, which are considered big established name things, but at the time I had no way of finding out about them. Yes. Same. Yes. Same. Yeah. Um. So they had um. Like yeah, they had their list of essentials, which is why yeah like, we were able I remember to remember that page. Yeah. Yeah. Um. And two of them were uh, Zombie and the Beyond. And, um, yeah, I tried to seek those out because I wanted to see everything on that list, you know? I was like, I, 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 I remember everything. doing the exact same thing. Yeah. I remember had, like, Argento on there, had Peter mm-hmm. Jackson's score films. Yes. Of course, had Romero. Um, you know, of course, had, like... like Evil like, Dead. Yeah. Um, like, like that website was like the thing that sent me into being a like horror movie fanatic Same. because it sent me down because it had like all the big name stuff, but also had that stuff that just is on the um, on the periphery of the underground. Because I also remember Cable Holocaust was also a movie yes, they was. had on there. Yes, and that was. was how I first found out Cable Holocaust, which is one of my personal favorite movies. It's a it's a great movie. I uh, yeah, it's a <laughs> fucked up one. But I thought it's a great this. movie. Um, yeah. And so I um, I will confess the first time I watched Zombie and uh, City of the Living Dead, I wasn't really sure what the big deal was. I, I, I don't know if it was just I wasn't used to Italian horror yet or um, uh, or what, but. I watched it and I was like, that was okay. Um, and then I watched the beyond and I was like, I don't know, for some reason that one really got my, got my blood pumping. And so I redid uh full she's zombie and, um, and gates of hell. And I was like, you know what? These are, these are really cool. <laughs> They're just so, um, I don't know. They're just so unique and they're, um, yeah, they're just really heavy on mood and they have gore effects like I've never seen like before or since. And arguably some of like in Fulci's big three horror films, which I would argue are zombie to beyond and say the living dead. has I personally argue some of the greatest gore effects ever put to screen. Yeah, and um, there were even I I even had some opportunities thanks to a uh, a Philadelphia outfit called Exhumed Films uh, to see these movies on thirty five millimeter. Oh shit! Yeah, and I yeah, and I like like you saw you've seen some of these on the big screen. I have. Yeah, I've never Um, seen the Fulci film on the big screen before. Oh oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. Zombie. Nice. Uh, the Beyond. Oh, and nice, nice. Conquest on the big screen. <laughs> and I have not seen Conquest, so I can't comment nice on that one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I have not seen it. <laughs> no, but yeah, I mean, uh, just um, yeah, seeing them on the big screen was what really cemented uh, him as a filmmaker for me. Like, cause just seeing them like frame like. The guy knew his way around a camera. Like he knew, he knew what looked good, you know, and how to make things look good. Yeah, uh, for me, I I first heard the Fulci from 
that exact same website. That is so <laughs> That's fucking awesome. funny. That's the same website for both of us. That's so funny. Yep. Um, but then um, I was so so like it was on my radar, and uh, I remember I started getting into like seriously into horror movies in high school, and this would have been like our high school age with that website up. Mm-hmm. And I was at, this was before DVD dominated everything. I was at some video store, um, like a oh, like store that sold movies, not a rental yeah. place. Okay, so like and a Suncoast or something like that. Something like that. And they had the um, that Anchor Bay clamshell of, yes. of zombie with the with the iconic rotting zombie face with the oh, tagline, yeah. with the tagline, we are going to eat you. Uh-huh. uh-huh. I believe it's the tagline. Yeah. Yes. And I was like, oh, I remember seeing this on the website. I'm going to fucking buy the 3HS. And I bought it and I watched it and I thought it was great. I really dug Zombie the first time I saw it. Cool. Now, I didn't think it was good as the Romero flicks or Return of the Living Dead, which I had already seen those zombie movies. And I didn't think yeah. it was good as them. But there was just like this aspect of it of I really loved the low-budget trashiness mm-hmm. of it. And the grind... Let me rephrase that. I love the grindhouse feel of it. Yep. They felt actually, like, a little bit dangerous watching it. Yeah. And it had scenes, like, the zombie versus the fucking shark scene, which, to this day, I still do not understand fully in my head how they filmed that scene. I don't get it. Do you remember that being in a Windows commercial? It was for, like, Windows yes! 7. Yeah. Yes, it was. It was in a fucking Windows commercial, <laughs> which is probably some whole st- behind-the-scenes story there that we don't know about of some guy being like, I really fucking love this movie. And, like, yeah. like really? We're doing this? We're, t- we're putting this in a Windows commercial? Yes, we are. Yes, yeah. we are. It's my favorite movie of all time. <laughs> like, there's some yeah. guy out there that's like... Some some IT nerd high up in Windows. It's like zombies. My favorite movie of all time. Uh-huh, They're like uh-huh. I'm putting this in the fucking commercial. <laughs> yeah. No. My uh my brother when he saw that commercial, um, he was just like, cause he's he's not really a horror fan. Like he like he likes some of it, but he's not like a deep diver like me. Um, but he was like, I bet Lucas knows what movie this is. <laughs> <laughs> Like I still don't know how they like filmed it. Like I, if you look up like how they filmed it, the talking point is like, oh, they drugged the shark. Okay, yeah. I'm someone who for the day job works with animals. I work with cats, and we get like like cats that need to be drugged at times just to be able to handle them. And some of them will still put you in the fucking hospital. And that's a yeah. fucking house cat. It's not a goddamn yeah. fucking shark and they're in the water with the fucking shark. So just <laughs> saying they drug the shark does not really answer any questions that I have. No, like, no. Like, there's some, like, how did this happen? How Did somebody die filming this movie and you all covered it up? Like, I don't know how this happened. And of course, the amazing eye gouging scene. Like, we can't talk about yeah. zombie and not the incredible eye gouging scene, which maybe for my money might be the best singular gore moment I've ever seen in the movie. It's um, really good it, because it, it might be my it might be my number one pick. It's might be mine as well because like it's got the anticipation part of it down too. 
Like, you oh, know it's going to happen. is fucking painful. And, yeah. and any other movie, they would cut. And it never yep. fucking cuts. And, yeah. oh, spectacular I mean, you see, the, you see the splinter. You see the eye. You see the splinter. You see the eye. And you're like, oh, no. Oh, and no. Oh, oh, closer oh. and closer oh, and closer. Oh, no. <laughs> and, and right when the eye is right about to touch it, even in any other gore flick, they would do a cut to set up the special effect with the fake head and that. No, yeah. there's no cut. There's no cut. It just goes smoothly right into the eye. Ooh, and one yeah. of the things that I think makes that scene also so rough, which is never really credited a lot, is it also breaks the eye socket, yeah. which I think like it destroys the half of the face. And I'm like, oh, that is such a rough gore effect. It's spectacular. Like, like, yeah. I don't know if you can hear my golf clap on the recording, but like, oh, spectacular! Mm-hmm. But so, so I have a lot of fondness for the, the grindhouse feel of zombie and the gore of zombie. But yeah. what really made me love Fulci is then Anchor Bay did the um, uh, did this really nice um, uh, tin set of the Beyond when they got the rights to the Beyond. Oh yeah, I and, remember that. And I I either pre-ordered it, I bought it as soon as it came out and I had never seen the beyond before, but I was, Oh, I really like zombie. Oh, this is like the movie that like people that like this guy all say, this is his best movie. And, um, like really the beyond, I fucking fell in love with it on first viewing. Like I love the beyond. It is like, it is surreal surrealism in the classic artistic sense of it horror and it's actually something that's so rare to come across and i truly mm-hmm. believe that like the beyond deserves a place like next to um and delusional dog by salvador dolly by racerhead by david lynch um some of Hodor- you know hodorowski's work um, um barker's like, fiction Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Barker's fiction very much falls into it. His films, not as much, but his fiction so definitely fall into it. And The Beyond is just a wonderful work of surrealistic horror. And yeah. I just love – I the, the Beyond is my favorite movie by him. And uh, yeah, people can nitpick that movie to shit. And I'm like, if you're nitpicking the movie, you're literally missing the point of right. the movie. It's an right. experience. It's not meant to be a narrative that you follow and has a three-act structure. It is a visceral, artistic experience. Mm-hmm. And I think it's, I argue it's Fulci's crowning achievement. I would say so. I mean, just the, uh, just all those shots, like in the, like the, uh, I guess I guess it's supposed to be hell that they're walking through, you know. Well, uh, that's the the very end of the movie. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. The, the the gates of hell. It's it's considered part of the Gate of Hell trilogy, which is the Beyond, City of the Living Dead, and House by the Cemetery. Yeah. And um, uh, the the depictions of hell at the very end of the movie are very haunting and very atmospheric yes. and extremely well done. Yeah. Um, and we, of course, we also get like tarantulas eating a guy's eye. That Fulci has a thing about eyes. Which, he does not like them. He does not like them. I guess violence towards his eyes is one of the things in movies that literally makes me cringe. Wow, it's violence towards eyes and fingernails. 
Interesting. Those two things. Those two things are the things that make, make me cringe. And I think it's because, like, everyone knows the pain of stuff happening to your fingernails. So it's such a relatable pain. And I don't wear them anymore. I can't because I have really bad uh, uh, hay fever. But I used to wear contacts. So I used to have a lot of experience of putting contacts in and out of my eyes. And Ooh. it's like... Uh, I, 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 it's, a visceral, it's a visceral thing that I, I can relate yeah. to very much. Now, I've never had one of my eyes torn out, poked out, knock on wood. I hope that never happens to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's yeah. something that I had, like, just enough experience of, like, touching my eyes from contacts. I'm like, ooh, I don't want a splinter going in there or tarantula fangs no. or, like, or claws or shit. Um, yeah. So I told you before we started recording this, I needed to tell you a funny story about uh, City of the Living Dead. Oh, yes, yes. So as I as already referenced on this podcast, amazingly I've already referenced this, there was a period of my life that I used to take hallucinogens an awful lot, recreationally. Uh-huh. I'm now getting older. I no longer do it. It's been years since I've had a hallucinogen. I guess I'm getting old and boring. Um, but during my more freewheeling psychedelic days i used to like to dose and watch horror movies a lot i have had great experiences watching like the saw movies on acid (laughs) fucking great hellraiser on acid was i had a fucking blast holy shit did i have fun watching hellraiser on acid city of the living dead um i had to turn it off really that was the movie that broke me in terms of like horror movies on acid City of the Living Dead, in particular, when it got to the sequence, when it was sideways raining maggots on the yeah. characters, and I was watching out tripping balls, and I'm like, I, I can't take this anymore. This is, this is fucking getting to me. I'm starting to get the fear, and yeah. I was like, I have to turn, I have to turn this off. Ironically, I watched the Beyond on Acid, had a great time. <laughs> City of the Living Dead really, like, fucked with my brain. I can see that. I can see ways, that. Other horror movies. And I watched, I kept watching horror movies on acid um, after that. It was just that one. That was the one that it was the nightmare logic. The nightmare logic is, just yeah. fucked with my drug fueled brain so hardcore because it, it, it's just so devoid of traditional logic or reason and it's just so nightmarish and bad thing after bad thing happening it just really it just really fucked with my head i mean while the beyond is his best i will say that i think city of the, of the living dead is his most unsettling it is it is um I, I i think the beyond is his best because it actually also does have a story to it no the story's very loose but there is a story there mm-hmm. um city of living dead barely has a story to it. It's just gates of hell is opening and bad things happen. <laughs> and, that, and, <laughs> that's and that's literally, literally it. <laughs> that's literally also the opening scene of the movie. Yeah. And the entire movie from then on out is just, here's bad shit happening that doesn't make sense. Yeah. Because hell has come to earth. And, yeah. yeah, it's, it's, and, like, it's a really fun romp if you're drinking beer and smoking weed, but, whoo, I don't really recommend that as an acid movie. I do recommend Hellraiser. Hellraiser, great acid movie. Don't recommend City of the Living Dead. Oh, man. And then, how do you feel about, to round out the the um, the big ones, how do you feel about House by the Cemetery? I, um, I, I recently rewatched that, and I, 
I I've gained a bit more of an appreciation for it. Um, it's uh, I for the longest time I was really put off by like that atrocious child actor. Oh God! See, that's that's my fucking issue with that movie. Is that fucking kid in that movie? Yeah, yeah. Um, Which is named Bob? I, Bob. Isn't the kid's name, but Bob. Yeah. Yeah. God. Yeah. Um, but uh, it does have some really cool set pieces in it, like the scene where um, uh, he he goes to the to the mannequins in the um, the store, and they oh, like. Yeah start like their limbs are falling off and they're like bleeding and shit yeah that, that was pretty cool um yeah but yeah I, it's not it's not one of my favorites of his but i still think it's pretty good i haven't seen house by a cemetery in many years whereas like the beyond zombie city of the living dead I watch uh, those, those regularly. Those, those three I regularly revisit. Like yeah. I, I, I own the Beyond on uh, on Blu-ray, uh, City of Living Dead, and um, Zombie is on Shutter or Amazon Prime. I'm not sure which, but I know it's on my yeah. streaming services. And in fact, it was just a few months ago that I rewatched all three of those. Cool. Um, like I, those are movies I regularly revisit. It's probably been like 15 years since I've seen House by a Cemetery, and I should give yeah. that another go. Um, people keep saying that it's like underrated, and there's a lot more going on for it than people first impressions give it. However, I also think it may be an example of trying to polish a turd. <laughs> Look, I I think um, while I do think it is underrated, it is still not anywhere near those original those three big ones and it's weird because it gets grouped in with those and yeah it's it's just not the same level of imagination to be honest on no the screen. no no definitely not um and i feel we need to talk about to also tie into last week's episode with last week's episode oh, yeah. we did about a killer who collects like a chicken we have to talk about the New York Ripper that has a a slasher gore flick that deals with a killer who quacks like a duck. Yeah, and uh, what a film that is, man! That is uh, that is a mean, misogynistic movie. <laughs> and I like New York. I like New York Ripper. I still like it and as well. It's, but... it's a it's very mean. Is extremely misogynistic. <laughs> It yeah. is extremely mean towards women. I like the movie. I I kind of dig its meanness on display. It's like it's, with watching movies. Like it, it's sometimes fun with movies to indulge in those really yeah. negative aspect things that don't reflect you at all, but just like you know, in this safe environment. It's like why are we go on roller coasters. It's a safe um, near death ex- simulation. Yeah, and New York Ripper kind of plays into that psychologically and my perspective and also you know it it's from that era of um really grimy new york movies oh, like basket so case and yeah. street trash and yeah. combat shock and like you know yeah. just like those like just really vile like n- movies that are set in new york like and it just it really um embodies combat shock being a movie we've got to cover because that's a trauma movie yeah it's a trauma movie yeah. Yep. But yeah, no. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Keep going. Keep going. Yeah. No, I was going to say like, yeah, it's um, 
it, I would say I would put it in that in that category uh, as well as uh, Maniac Cop and Maniac. Um, uh, you know, as far as like, yeah, just weird, <laughs> grimy New York movies. <laughs> That's back when New York City was dangerous and not a yes. uh, and not yeah. a Disneyland with people stacked several stories on top of each other. <laughs> a Disneyland with hipsters. <laughs> I'm not a fan of, I'm from the Northeast, I'm not a fan of New York City, I've been many times in my life, I'm actually not a fan of New York City. I I think it's okay, I, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's certainly not, um, you know, it's not my favorite city, but, you know. I like Portland better, I like Austin better, I like, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll take Portland and Austin over in New York City any fucking day. Hell, yeah. I fucking like I, I I'm a weirdo that I like LA. A lot of people complain about LA. You I, know, I like LA. And I, went, I take LA I went, over New York any day of the fucking week. I went to LA for the first time uh, last year before lockdown, and uh, yeah, I, I I had a similar experience. I thought it was a good time. Yeah, I really I really I don't get people bitching about LA. I think it's a really cool fucking city. I, yeah, like granted. I was on vacation, and you know, I probably didn't have to like, you know, true, true. drive I've to work been, in that crazy I, I, traffic. Been, oh, no, actually, when I was in LA, I drove around LA. Okay, we're getting off on a tangent now, but I gotta give a quick story. I was I was driving in LA with uh, Cameron Pierce. Um, oh, cool. Yeah, and uh, name drop in there, and uh, he he's from uh, Bakersfield, California, and he told me of uh, our fun LA game will be uh, when we get into L.A., how long will it take us to hear somebody scream fuck you from a car to another driver? That's so awesome. we're in L.A. city limits for about five, ten minutes, and I get blocked in a street of somebody parked in the middle of the street where they should be parking, and I rolled down the window and screamed, fuck you, move your fucking car. And then I <laughs> went to Cameron, Cameron, I'm the first person we heard yell, fuck you in L.A. in the car. Awesome. Am I a real L.A. driver? <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> so so back to Fulci, though. Back to Fulci. Back to but Fulci. New, but New York Ripper. New York Ripper. Because I, I think it's actually a movie that's pretty uh, – uh, well known, but actually doesn't really get talked about that much, and isn't really yeah. that well watched. It's really well known as like Fulci's nastiest, meanest movie, and yeah. I kind of, really, I kind of really dig it. Yeah, I um, it's been a long time since I've seen it, but I remember also like you know being like, I like this, you know. It's <laughs> um, and the the I, I have shown this movie to um um. Uh, audiences of mixed of different type of people and oh boy no horror movie scene that i've ever shown to people has ever get gotten the women in the audience to cringe as much as the nipple slit with the um with the razor blade yeah 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 that's a that's a rough that's a rough effect and it's it's, it's got like some great fucking gore in it and I, i I, I actually kind of really appreciate how forward-front misogynistic it is because it's been brought up before on the show. I'm also a true crime nerd, and mm. in real life, those types of serial killers are really cruelly misogynistic, yes. and New York Ripper is actually portraying that type of serial killer persona 
um, more accurately than a lot of more watered-down movies do, like like looking at you, Silence of the Lambs. Great movie, <laughs> but it's not accurate at all to real life at all what serial killers are actually like. New York mm. Ripper is way closer to a real-life serial killer than most most movies depict. Yeah, I could see that. I could definitely see that. Um, what about, uh, you said you haven't seen Don't Tor- Torture a Duckling. I have not seen Don't Torture a Duckling. And okay. you're saying that, yeah, tell me about it. It's pretty good, man. It's like, you know, a child killer is kind of terrorizing um, an Italian village. And um, I don't know. A lot of people talk about the uh, the killer being like some big twist. But like I saw it coming like from a mile away. And I think you will too. Um, and yeah, but yeah. but uh, that also doesn't matter. I think it's just still a really yeah. good movie. Like it's just... Um, I don't know. It's a it's a really it's a it's a giallo, but it's like I don't know. Like you could see like the seeds of, or you. I mean, it's still very Fulci. Like it's you uh, know. amongst Fulci fans, I frequently hear "Don't Torture a Duckling" as the one. It's it's that or the Beyond are his best movies. That I see a lot of people oh, wow. argue. I, I've I've seen for oh shit I've seen for years people argue that "Don't Torture a Duckling" is his best movie. Interesting. I, I, yeah, I probably have and just haven't remembered. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I like Don't Torture Duckling quite a bit. Um, I've never seen Lizard in a Woman's Skin, but yeah. I, great I do title. love that title. That's <laughs> yeah, a, a great title. Um, have you seen Cat in the Brain? No. In fact, I actually just, uh, I just inspired by this episode and like looking up things about Fulci and that. And it's one of those movies that every now and then I'm like, when I look it up, I'm like, oh, that sounds really cool. A meta film of Fulci playing himself. Yeah. Essentially being driven crazy by his own movies, from what I understand. Yeah. Sounds yeah. really cool. I just downloaded it. So I'm going to probably watch it this week. It's interesting. Check it out. Yeah. It's, it, sounds like, it sounds like a lot of fun. It is. It's a fun experiment. I mean, it's like, yeah, yeah. I'll I'll let you check it out because I don't want to spoil anything. It also sounds like the it was one of Fulci's last films, and it seems like towards the end of his life, he definitely had like a sense of humor about himself. Yeah, and understood his role, his place in the film uh, filmmaking world, and he was fine with like kind of poking fun at himself a bit, and despite being a very serious creator. And yeah. that's something I really dig. I, I really love it when, like, really serious artists are cool with poking fun at themselves. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What about um, his only uh, actual collaboration with uh, Dario Argento, Wax Mask? Have you seen that? Oh, shit, no. No, I, I have not. I, um, I haven't seen it either, but I saw that it is on Shudder, so I am going to be watching that soon. Oh, I had no idea it was the two of that. Oh, wow. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. I had absolutely no idea. Wax Mask, yeah. I, I, I see it's on uh, Wikipedia here under the Italian Horror uh, page. Mm-hmm. By, by, screenplay by Fulci, story by Argento. Yep. And directed by Sergio. I'm... Still Valetti? Steve Valetti? Steve Valetti? Yeah, that's probably right. Yeah. 
right. Yeah. That, that, okay. That's that's an interesting one. I, yes. I don't know who uh, Sergio Stivalenti is. Yeah, his uh, his uh, name on Wikipedia is in red, which means he does not have a Wikipedia page. <laughs> yeah, but that doesn't mean it doesn't too mean anything. Much. I don't have a Wikipedia page, you know. <laughs> I, I I have a Wikipedia page. I, I yeah, that's right. Uh, I'm looking up to see what uh he worked on. Oh, on uh, he's best known for wax mask. All right. Um, well, hey. so so that doesn't exactly uh, uh, bode that well. That's okay. That doesn't really, you know, this was uh, around. This was right before. Uh, oh, I just no, mean he, is, I just mean uh, he wasn't um, like. Uh, oh, he's primarily a special effects artist. Oh, okay. he, he worked on some. He was special effects designer on Cemetery Man, which we've oh, mentioned cool. this episode. Cool. So he's oh, so he's tied in with all of these. Uh, with all yeah. these creators, um, so he's probably he. Oh shit, he worked on demons in demons too with special effects. Oh, those the special effects in those movies are fantastic. Yeah. Um, okay, looking him up of his directed movies, I've never heard of any of his movies except for he did a segment in the notorious unreleased profane exhibit anthology. Which really? that immediately has me intrigued. Didn't we've talked about that on this show before? Have we not? For a fan exhibit? No, we haven't. That would just Uh-oh. not on the show. That would just been you and I talking. Yeah, that was off mic, I guess. Okay. Yeah. So um, for anyone curious about what we're talking, the Profane Exhibit was a horror anthology from 2013, and I'm pulling up the list right now of people who worked on it. But it was kind of an international horror anthology film at a time when, like, VHS was coming out, ABC's of Death was coming out, and, like, horror anthologies were enjoying a bit of resurgence. And there was kind of, like... This was kind of like a legendary group of people that got together on this movie, and the movie just fucking disappeared. Yeah. And, like, no, Ruggiero Diodato did a segment on it. Fucking Campbell Holocaust guy did a fucking mm-hmm. segment on it. Um, and um, apparently Unearthed Films, um, who I am close with, the uh, guy, Stephen Bryo, who runs at Unearthed Films, shout out to Unearthed Films, shout out to Stephen Bryo, um, they got the rights to somehow be releasing the Profane Exhibit later this year. Oh, cool. And it's finally going to fucking come out. Um, it was apparently a really crazy, hardcore horror anthology flick. And nice. trying to, uh, here we go, all cast and crew, trying to pull it up of UA Bowl did they segment for it? Yep. <laughs> Which um I don't know if we'll ever talk about UA Bowl. I have very complicated UA Bowl opinions because I do yeah. think in some ways he's kind of a genius, but in other ways he's a terrible filmmaker. I think both can be true at once. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, okay. Um, uh, but yeah, so um but yeah, so uh that's coming out later this year, and wow, weird connection there to Fulci and Argento. Yeah, yeah. All right, cool. And so, is there any other, like, Fulci films you want to spotlight? Because you obviously have seen more of them than I have. Um, there's, uh, um, there's, uh, Demonia, which... 
has some cool stuff in it, but it's overall not not great. Um, Rebecca McKendry of the phenomenal um, Killer POV Shockwaves and is now called All the Colors of the Dark podcast frequently mentions that movie as being one of her guilty pleasures because it features evil nuns or yeah, uh, evil nuns, nuns and some yep. and she she's she is obsessive about evil nuns. So I know that movie from her talking about it on her podcast awesome. for like the past fucking decade. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, how about uh, the Black Cat? Have you have you seen that one? Yeah, I've seen Black Cat, but I barely remember anything about it, which shows Same. how big of an impact it made on me. Yeah. Same thing with Manhattan Baby. I know I've seen both of them. I own the Anchor Bay DVDs of both of them at one point, and mm-hmm. I barely remember a fucking thing from either of those movies. Yeah. So they, they just didn't really... Um, I'd have to rewatch them to have a firm opinion on them. All I can say is that when I was younger and I got the Anchor Bay DVDs, as Anchor Bay was like, uh, like it was really Anchor Bay. Once again, we're bringing up Anchor Bay on this show. Yeah, Anchor Bay really, I believe, brought Fulci to especially our generation. Yeah, I owe so much of my fandom, not just for Fulci, uh, to Anchor oh, Bay. Oh my God, for all sorts of aspects of the horror genre. Yeah. The horror cinema genre, like, if it wasn't for fucking Anchor Bay, I don't know where so many people, like, uh, of your and I's age groups would would be in our horror fandom and horror knowledge if it wasn't for Anchor Bay. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> oh, man. Um, I guess we should talk about the reason why we did this episode. <laughs> yeah, let's talk about the reason why we did this episode. Tell us, Lucas. Is there a reason? Is there possibly a self-serving product-placing reason why we did this? There is. I mean, you know, <laughs> don't get me wrong. I will gladly watch a Fulci movie anytime. Um, but on uh, so um, by the time you hear this episode. Uh, I, there will be a new book of mine out um, the next day, the day after this episode airs. That that was a much better way to say it. Um, so, so, so this uh, episode is going to be coming out August 2nd. Yes. So then August 3rd, 2021 is... Yep, The Final Gate, uh, co-written by myself and Splatterpunk Award winner Wesley Southard. Um, it's... Uh, yeah, I'm just going to read the back cover copy because it's just uh, it's just it just does it much better than I can do off the cuff. Um, so it's uh, it's basically um, a, a prose tribute to Italian horror master Lucio Fulci um, kind of uh, set. It's, it's presented as a one of his gates to hell movies, but like a lost I guess a lost um, Fulci film, essentially. But yeah, I'm going to go ahead and read the back cover yeah, uh, it. of it. It's a, uh, yeah, so something is terrifying the residents of St. Luke's Orphanage. Gurgling moans echo through the hallways. Hulking shapes lurk in the surrounding woods. And those who wake in the morning will find one less child under their roof. Brandon and his girlfriend Jillian believe his younger brother is in serious danger. Even though the caretakers at St. Luke's told them he's been adopted, Brandon has his doubts. With the help of a friend and a mysterious guide that will do whatever it takes to find out just what is happening inside the orphanage walls and at the bottom of the basement steps. 
from Splatterpunk Award-winning author Wesley Southard and Splatterpunk Award-nominated author Lucas Mangum comes The Final Gate, the ultimate tribute to horror or Italian horror master Lucio Fulci, with blood, guts, and all the nightmarish madness you'd expect from the godfather of gore himself, Southern and Mangum present a loving homage to Spaghetti Splatter and the glory of 1980s Euro horror. So, yeah, that'll be out on Tuesday um, from Encyclopocalypse Publications. Um, and, uh, yeah, you can get that on Amazon um, and uh, wherever you, I guess, I guess, yeah. Any other place where you get books? Well, congrats! This is like super fun that we're doing like an episode that can actually like tie into your book release. Like that's so cool. I know, right? Like, fuck yeah! Fuck yeah, yeah, dude! Yeah, yeah. I'm excited for it, man. It's uh, generating a decent amount of buzz, and I mean, Wesley's a great author, and I don't know. I I I, I, I just gotta do like a little like you know. Run my chest proudly, like like I published that Wesley Seltzer book that won the Spider-Punk Award, and I've pu- and I've published you in the past, so I'm like, yes, you have. I can vouch for both of these people. I've published I, both of them, and and you you awards. published the book that really put me on the map, uh, Gods of the Dark Web. So uh, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. No, um, it'll be. I think it'll be a fun a fun read for fans of Fulci and like. I mean, it started out as like a kind of a joke, like we were talking about movies we would want to write novelizations for, and I chose yeah. The Beyond, and he chose Gates of Hell, and I was like, why don't we just do this? Perfect, perfect, <laughs> yeah. there you fucking go. Well, that's a, see, that's also like, in my mind, like, that's a good uh, a, a pitch right there. It's like, we wanted to do, we wanted to do uh, novelizations of Fulci films, so instead we just wrote our own. Yeah, like yeah. that's that's a fun idea. Like, I like I'm interested. <laughs> yeah, cool, cool. Yeah, so that is also my plug for the week. Obviously, <laughs> that's your plug. Yeah, I, I I kind of assumed that would be your plug for the week. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't think I'm going to do a plug this week, and just for the sole reason is because this whole re- episode is meant to be coinciding with your book release. So let's just focus it just on just on that. And so everyone listening, that's my plug for this week. I'll be back with recommending more random, traumatizing and nerdy shit next week. But (laughs) go check out Lucas and Wesley's new book. That's what I'm. That's what I am gonna say. Uh, yeah. So we should decide what we want to do next week, though. Holy shit! Holy shit! What are we gonna do next week? Um, do we want to go back to Lloyd, or do we want to do uh? I don't know. Something else. <laughs> we can do like some other random shit. I don't know. How are you feeling? Um, I'm almost tempted to suggest the Argento movie, but uh, but I don't no, know. No, no, no. I, 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 I want to. We did talk uh, like off mic before about uh, doing them back to back, and I actually feel oh, like I like. Right. The, I, I, I feel like I'd like to space them out. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I kind of figured you'd say the Argento film, and I wanted to be like, now let's 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 uh, give a few episodes before we tackle the Argento film. Just yeah. uh, just break up because it's like it's it's really fun with the nature of the show to get some variety in our Very viewing, true. and so let's try to do something like 
you know, just not 1980s Italian horror <laughs> or yeah, Italian, no. a, a real, a, like Grindhouse related. Uh, something else. I mean, I'd be open for a Lloyd film. I'd also be open for another thing that they distributed. Um, I don't really have a strong feeling on anything I really want to talk strongly about. So is there another movie that you've maybe had on your mind? Yeah. What about... Um, uh, yeah, so no, I didn't have anything in mind, so I was I was going to try to pull something out of my ass, but I couldn't. Um, I'm, I am looking at some things here, though, so let's see. Um... Like, there's tons of fucking what about, uh What about pigs? Pigs? <laughs> Is Alan Truman now? Uh, I don't know. I, I see it on their... Um on their uh wikipedia page but let me let's make sure it's on trauma now before we uh because i i don't have the uh i i mentioned before i've been buying blu-rays and dvds of trauma and prep for this uh show and uh pigs is not one that it's on it's on trauma now i don't even know what I, I, I've seen its name before, but I don't even know what the hell Pigs is. Yeah. It's like a it's like a 70s exploitation horror movie. Oh, shit. Well, this might be the thing that uh, gets me to get Troma now. I thought I was going to get Troma now for this episode until you pointed out that, like, Jeff, it's on Amazon Prime, and I know you have Amazon Prime. And I was like, oh, it is. <laughs> and, yeah. And so then... I uh, I uh, I got it, man. Though I I've I'll, I'll just say this: I have bought some um, Blu-rays from Tromo recently. That holy shit, dude! I've got some weird fucking shit uh, for you in the future. Oh, cool! I'm excited. Oh, I mean, we 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 could do pigs, or maybe I should also throw out one of my really bizarre pickups yeah let's do that yeah what do you what do you got here i gotta um unfortunately i'm not by my um yeah no problem i'll probably i'll probably edit a little because i kind of yeah yeah i I, I think we're do. i think we're doing fine we're just on a meandering end of show thing anyone listening to us anyone listening to us has to like us um i hope (laughs) thank you if you're still listening but I, I, I found a uh, sci-fi musical done with sock puppets that Choma released. Holy that shit. I amazingly own the uh, Blu-ray of. What's it now. called? Um, I'm, I'm, I'm just waiting for my uh, Google to load up. Come on. Um, oh. Sick Sock Monsters from Outer Space. All right, I'm I'm sold. I am sold. Let's let's Six do that. Sock Monsters from Outer Space. It is Oh, oh my god, it's an Italian movie. Oh shit. It's an Italian science fiction horror film. It features one live action actor and all the main characters are played by sock puppets. Oh man. And I could be wrong in that it's a musical, but I think it is. It might not be. But whatever, it's a sock puppet uh, science fiction uh, horror film. 
that that's exciting. I'm yeah. Wow. I, so. I, I, I I was going through Troma's website because I, I did another order from them and unlike my last order they got it to me fucking within like three days of me making the order. They got it to me really quick. So for anyone listening, do not feel um hesitant about ordering from Troma directly. They will get to you really fucking quick. And cool. I just was like they, they got some great deals going on right now on their um, Blu-rays and DVDs. So yeah. I ordered a whole bunch of them that I've never seen and just ones that sounded interesting. And this is one of their more recent pickups. And I was just like, sock puppet uh, sci-fi <laughs> horror movie? Yes, I'm buying this Blu-ray. And we're yeah. going to talk about this at some point. That that sounds exciting. I think that'll be, uh, yeah, that'll be a good... Um... Sick sock monsters from outer space. Yeah, I mean, how can you say no to that, right? All right, you want to do that one next? Yeah, let's do it. And I know it's on there. I know it's on uh, Troma now. Uh, yeah, because I, I do yeah. see that. Yeah. Cool. All right. Well, then, yeah. Um, uh, yeah. Next week we're doing six sock monsters uh, from outer space, and um, in the meantime, uh, and then, you know. And then after that movie we should go back to lloyd in some fashion i agree i yeah, agree we'll do, we'll do three in a row without without kaufman and we'll go back to him all right cool cool excellent i like this idea yeah awesome fuck yeah so and also just you should start thinking right now lucas because i picked the last lloyd kaufman movie you get to pick the next one all right cool cool so, i'll think of something good so six sock monsters from outer space all right. Well, we'll see y'all next week, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> oh, by the way, real quick at the very end here, we are getting a ton of new listeners. We're getting great fucking numbers. Who are you people? Where are you coming from? If you are spent this long listening to us and you still hear me right now, shoot us like an email, post a comment, just letting us know how the fuck are you finding us. We're seeing the numbers. Yeah. And we're shocked at how many of you are listening to us. We love it. We're just confused. And we yeah. really love to know where you're all coming from. I mean, I'm bad at math, so I'm not going to, I'm not going to, um, you know, do anything with percentages. But, like, the amount of listeners this month versus last month is, it's like. insane. Yeah, it's dramatic. Like, it's, yeah. It's so we thank everyone dearly from the bottom of our hearts. We just want to know who the fuck you are and how you're finding us. Please, yes, let us please. know. We'd be so intrigued to know. So, <laughs> yeah, until next month, you can find Lucas and I on fucking social media. You can find the show on social media. We know you're not fucking idiots. We know how to, you know, we know, you know what to do. Give us yeah. a like. Give us a follow. Do that stupid shit. You know what to do. 